Adams group had eight. They were dressed in a certain black leather and carried this. It's like, oh my god, dude, there's a thousand boats and we're going 30 at a time? You realize you're you're complaining about the same thing that you did when you were describing the accommodations for the Titanic, right? Yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> Except for it was not the same thing over and over and over and over again. They were varying degrees. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I went on too long for that. I can admit that. No, so what I was saying is that this is another one of those. I feel like it's another topic that I hadn't really like delved into since like either high school or maybe just like like right after, like maybe during like a college class or something. But it, the more that I actually like read on the Odyssey, I did not read the actual Odyssey. You I did not son reread of a it. Bitch. I did not reread it. I watched documentaries on it. I actually know. I'm sorry. You made I, me I read the it. Iliad, and I, you didn't. Do, did they make, like, the Iliad for TV? Did they make it into, like, a movie or a miniseries? No. Okay, well, I then that's check. your fault for not looking it up. But <sighs> what I watched on it, I'm just like, oh, this is just like, oh, Homer was just, like, full of shit. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%. He just Homer used... Homer Homers. Yes. So, he just used... It just sounds like he used enough actual, like, either places or people that people thought it might be real because it had some, it had ties to realistic events or people or places. Yeah. I, and I pretty much pushed everything out for the Odyssey to get the Iliad down, but. Because the Iliad is actually the story of the Trojan War. So it's got to have, I mean, I'm sure it's embellished maybe, but it still has. Trojan War. Wasn't like a like. There's a lot of questions over if the Trojan War actually happened. As far as like, there are excavation sites where like they have found certain things in certain areas. So, do you feel like the Trojan War is something that, since like Homer, are you saying that people only think it happened because Homer documented it? Because I think there's other document like other. I don't know what you'd say, like, not documents, but, um, like, supporting facts or sites that that prove that, like, Troy was real and that, like, the other Greek states were real, correct? I, the Greek states, yes, but as far as where Troy, where they think, like, the general consensus is that it was in a part of northwestern Turkey. Yeah, the I there was some stuff about them thinking they found it because they found... Like a site with just like extremely tall walls and like like really fortified walls. Back in that day, which they're trying to say they think that the Iliad and the Troy Trojan War happened right around uh, eleven eighty four BC. But when they go into different places, like where they think that the site was, and mm-hmm. they dig down through the layers of sediment and everything, they're finding the things that are described in the Iliad and the things that are described about the war, like around 500 BC Mm -hmm. instead of down lower, or they're digging too far looking for something and going past different things. So it's still questionable whether it happened. I mean, I, I don't think Achilles and Agamemnon and all these fellas were a part of it. I think they were all characters, but I would say that more than likely the Iliad was like a, Maybe a raid or something that had happened in this town, in this, basically this fortress that was what they think was Troy. So so you're saying that the 
the story of the Trojan War, Trojan Horse, all that kind of stuff, the way that most people believe it happened is the way that Homer describes it. His, yeah. His, his description has had the most influence on how people view that, that event. Well, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but in the Iliad, there's no mention of the Trojan Horse or of Achilles' heel. Like those okay. two things didn't happen. They, uh, we'll get into it, kind of towards when we're talking about Homer. Speaking but of Achilles' heel, we kind of just jumped straight into this without our normal catch up. But is your? Did you discover your Achilles' heel is glittery mimosas? <laughs> it was so weird. I have so many high thoughts, but this morning kind of just has to overrule them. And of course, I had to had to prep up. Got a little stone to mm-hmm. go, and we show up. Takes about forty five minutes, maybe fifty minutes to get our food. It took about a half hour to get our mimosas, mm-hmm. and they do like the trees and the shambongs and all that stuff. Do they do like the carafe of the mimosas? If- you can get a carafe, or you can do what's called a mimosa tree, where mm-hmm. it's like there's six or seven different ones. You oh, can do okay. a flight. And then you've seen the shambongs, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that are like that. So we finally got the lady and asked about the flight. She's like, yeah, the flight's cheaper, but they're all littler ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just get regular sized ones. So I order one, girlfriend orders one, and they both come out. And she's looking at mine. She goes, oh, my God, yours has glitter in it. And I go, no, it's the bubbles or something like that. Like, it, there's no way that they put glitter in mine. Was it, not. Did you guys just order like traditional mimosas or was yours a flavored mimosa? It was like a, a berry something. And she got like a, I don't know what her first one was, but it was like a pomegranate. Mm-hmm. Something. They were both special. Okay. But for some reason, mine was more special. And I had just played it off like it was just like bubbles or something mm-hmm. coming up. Um, so I head back to the bathroom, go and pull in the door. Of course, it's locked. There's a lot of commotion going on in there. So I was like, all right, somebody's probably got some shit going on. Mm-hmm. Had a long night. Um, they finally open the door, and like this four and this six-year-old come out, damn near slap fighting each other, like just going after each other. And I look down, and I see it, and I smile. And then the dad comes walking out, and he looks at me, and we make eye contact, and I realize that I was just smiling at his two young boys. <laughs> Thought, okay, that's kind of weird. Probably shouldn't have done that right outside the bathroom. Go inside the bathroom, and this is a little insight into, I guess, me. Was it like an actual bathroom that should have had a lock on the door? Where yeah, it was, it, okay. it was a two-holer. There was a toilet, and then there was a urinal, which I always appreciate. Wait, so there wasn't a, and there was a divider, there was a stall where the, the toilet No partition. Didn't... Oh, okay, that's why. So it's okay. like, it, you got, got a, a one or two. Okay. <laughs> and so I go in there, and I'm using the urinal. I look down. And there's few things that just immediately pissed me off, but one of them was that there was a snooze packet sitting yes. in the urinal on mm-hmm. top of the thing, so it doesn't flush. Everybody else has to see it, and you couldn't take the time as a person just to reach it, 
pull it out of your mouth and put it in the trash can. Mm-hmm. You had to spit it in the one place where it can't get flushed where down. Somebody and else gonna is going to have day. to at some point pick that thing. Yes, out. regardless it, if it's their job or not, that's so fucking degrading and disrespectful. I, that it, gum, people that spit gum in urinals, it's mm-hmm. like just be an adult. All you have to do is be an adult. There's you, not a lot like, of rules in society. It, you question the intelligence because they're like, you know, the holes aren't that big. Mm-hmm. You know that piece of gum that you're going to spit out is bigger than those holes. What do you What do you think is going to happen? Like the constant piss and flushing is going to somehow degrade that gum you're doing it intentionally you're you're lazy yeah not only that but i knew it was an adult because it was a packet of tobacco yeah so it wasn't like it was a dumb kid that did Mm -hmm. it or something like that it was somebody who's who can legally drive Mm. there's still some dumb people who can some real dumb people who can legally (laughs) drive so go to wash my hands and i'm looking around there's toilet paper strewn all about and there's trash and shit and it's in the morning they're very busy so Mm -hmm. i'm sure they didn't get a chance to come and clean it up but i just kept looking around like how do you miss the trash can like it's literally right there when you go to throw something in the trash how can you miss it and so i fire up the water and it sprays against it and just completely soaks my foot it's one of the ones where the pressure is just it's either like no pressure or full bore as soon as you move the app and it's an old building, so it just sprayed me. So I'm looking at the front of my shorts like, God damn it, I just look like I peed myself. I'm all fired up about the fact that nobody in here can be an adult when they go to the bathroom. And then I look like I urinated on my own pants. So I go walking back out there and sit down. We're waiting for our food some more. And this waitress bumps me. And I turn around. I go, oh, sorry. She goes, oh, no, I, I'm trying to take a picture. I, I just I needed to get a little bit more room. I was like, yeah, no problem. And I see her like visibly glance down at my shirt and then her eyes snap up real quick. And I was like, oh, she see the pee on my shorts? What's going on? And about five minutes later, she comes back over from across the place and taps me on my shoulder. She goes, hey, um, this is going to sound kind of weird, but she's like, I, I really like your shirt. Um, where did you get that? Is and it the one you're wearing right now? Yeah. King Griffey one? Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., just a rookie card shirt. Just something that I found online that I liked. Mm-hmm. And I kind of looked up at her like, is like she just trying to be overly nice because she bumped me and almost spilled mm-hmm. some stuff or what? But I go, oh, I just got it online at the website, and I told her the website. And she goes, oh, um, can I write that down? And like went to the point of like writing down the website where it was from. She's like, I just, I really like that shirt. That's a very cool shirt. I'm a big fan of that. So I was like, all right, whatever. That was kind of weird. That stuff seems to happen from time to time where somebody's like, hey, I really like your shirt. So we get done eating, get another mimosa. I order, it was a, maybe now that I say it out loud, it sounds like it's probably fitting, but it was a fig and honey mimosa, which I I didn't expect anything special to Mm -hmm. happen. Girlfriend orders, it was an oranges and cream mimosa, Mm -hmm. orange juice, a little bit of cream, all that kind of stuff. They come back out, set them down, and I look down and mine is full of glitter again and hers is not for a second time. And I realized that it was glitter because when I finished the first one, I looked in the bottom. You could see the glitter Mm. sitting in the bottom Mm -hmm. of it that you didn't drink. So second time, mine is just as the driven snow, just sparkling. After the first incident, did you like review the menu to see if you could spot anything pertaining to glitter? Mm -hmm. So it, it just said sparkling wine was the only thing. And so we come to get done. We got some shambongs and just blew these people's minds. Like this is they're pretty fairly common around here at brunch places now. I think. Yeah, they're and they're not huge. I mean, you're no. not like it's but, it's just because it's champagne. People are like, oh, how dare you drink it like that? Yeah, we ordered a couple of them and shot them down real quick. And these other people they were like, oh my god, what was that? That was really cool. What was that? It's like they're on the menu. Like they're ever everybody literally everybody else around us had some. Mm-hmm. 
And so we get done. Lady brings a check over, and I just had to know. So I was like, I just a quick question. Um, is somebody screwing with me in the back? And she's like, what do you mean? And I go, why did both of my mimosas have sparkles in them? And she kind of gets this little smile on her face. And I go, hers didn't. She goes, yeah, that's because you ordered the ones with the glitter in them. And I go, no, I didn't order the ones with the Some glitter in them. just have glitter in them, man. <laughs> she goes, well, that's what sparkling wine is. And I was like, no, no man. Sparkling wine? That's not what that is. Sparkling well, wine's just no, champagne. No, maybe she meant actually like, not like sparkling is in like sparkling water. Maybe like sparkling is in like sparkly you need to that's those are two different things but why but they call it champagne they don't call it sparkling wine anything made outside of the champagne region is called sparkling wine though okay well i did not know that i you're not a wine listen you're the one you're the one ordering sparkling mimosas so i didn't order a sparkling mimosa i ordered ordered two sparkling mimosas it sounds like were they (laughs) were hey were they good that's the thing that made me question it is they were both delicious like i would have kept drinking them yeah, I don't think the sparkles have a taste. No, they don't, but when you hold it up you and you're my bastard, size. You you had to go have mimosas at brunch. I'm supposed to feel sorry for you. When you're 6'6 six, six and you're a large individual <laughs> that's when and you, you hold feel, up a glass no, that shimmers in the light. you should feel the most comfortable uh, doing it. You no. should be like, I'm at the point where no one's going to say anything to me if I enjoy this. Mm, that, that's one place you might be able to get away with it, but it just it felt odd. It felt very weird. Do you know what else felt very weird? Huh. Reading this. You're not going to. Not reading it, but going back through it and seeing it and understanding that it's. You know what I uh, kind of. It's akin to for me? The Odyssey is like. Did you, did, you ever, did you ever watch the. Like Ernest movies? I love Ernest. Like Ernest P. Whirl, Jim Yeah. Barney? Okay. Yep. Ernest. It was like. Straight. Ernest goes yeah, to jail. The Odyssey was classics. like. Instead of Ernest, it's like Odysseus. So it's like Odysseus goes home or tries to go home. I, we'll, we'll we'll do Homer first to get him out of the way. Then we'll do the Iliad, and then we'll do the Odyssey. Just because that's the order, like we were talking about earlier with like the the books. Homer had eight works, but we really only know about two because those were the two complete ones that we found. And it was the second book, which was the Iliad, and then it was the seventh book, which is yours, which was the Odyssey. They they call them epic poems. These things make no mistake, people. These things are books, and they're not just books. It's over the course of, like, many books. Yes. So, epic poem. So, Homer, I guess, is kind of... And I think you did a little more research, actually, on Homer than I did. So, Homer kind of sounds like there's a little bit of a a Shakespeare-type theory to Homer. Whether it was just one individual, or, like, a collection of individuals using pseudonyms. Or a pseudonym. Yeah, a lot of it is what it feels just because of certain things that we'll get into, but there was no written record and there are different theories. Like there is a, I believe it's a blind cleric and it might have been in the Odyssey Mm -hmm. that they believe was Homer writing himself into the actual novel or the epic poem. So he's the blind cleric. They think that that's uh, one of the theories is Homer was a blind cleric, which wrote all the different epic poems, which I have a hard time believing because I don't know how a blind person would have written back in 725 Mm -hmm. BC. Like that, that quite doesn't quite add up. Well, he had his own language. Did you know that? 
Homeric. Yeah. I know that he had like Homeric stanzas and different things like that with his writing. Was but. it was it more? It wasn't. Was it actually the like method of writing, or was it the writing itself? Because I, I thought I read that his like language or what they would consider Homeric was almost kind of like an amalgamation of like several different Greek languages together. Or am I getting that wrong? Uh, I didn't see really much about that. Maybe it was Homeric was more in reference to how he wrote, like the prose and like how he structured everything. That's what it seems like. I'm I'm not an intellectual and not a poetry reader, but there was something they had mentioned called iambic pentameter, which mm-hmm. is like the the cadence and the vowels yes. that you use mm-hmm. in lines. And Homer had basically like his own style to himself where his writings were, or their oh, okay. writings were in a certain Homeric style. Gotcha, okay. Um, supposedly there's a, a very weird, like, uh, when you read about people that do books on Homer, everybody has kind of a different theory. And the tough part is, was he was, they were around so long ago that they were almost around before like written knowledge was a thing. So when you see different things, um, they have like different ideas of where he was and all that. The one that I saw that at least sounded like it was a certain spot and sounded like it was real um, was an island called Chios, mm-hmm. which was, um, is, it's called Chios now, which I, I don't know why they had to change the K to a CH, but um, probably like Chris and Chris. Um, it's a Greek island in the Aegean Sea that still exists today, and supposedly through some of the texts that they had found, they knew that he had lived on that island for most of his life. But it, to me, it seems like it was more of a grouping of people, just because some of the stuff that we'll talk about, but there's just no way that one human being could have that much in his own brain. Yeah, it, it seems like, well, here's the other thing, too, is it's not so much even having it in his own brain. It's the simple fact that he made references to so many geographical locations and people and characters that for all of that knowledge to be available to him and him alone, it seems kind of a stretch. That and supposedly if he was born around this or if he lived around the 7th century B.C., mm-hmm there were different geographical locations that he was describing that they didn't end up finding until later on because the Greek empire hadn't spread as far as it did. Did you, um, shit, I just lost my thought. God damn it. I don't know why this happens. Um, keep going with what you're going to go. <laughs> keep going with yours and I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, some of the things that you can point to, um, are in the, book or in the first one in the i'm just gonna keep calling a book because it felt like a book when i read it but in the epic poet piece of the iliad the characters that were introduced weren't really introduced with backstories at that point so it's kind of one of those things where it leads you to believe that if you're just getting introduced to these characters is like something that's common knowledge it would have had to have been passed down through other oral traditions where people knew of these characters. That's what I was going to tell you. I didn't know until researching this, and this is probably going to make me sound stupid, I didn't know that this period of time is what they refer to when they're calling it antiquity. Yeah. Like, I always akin to something like antiquity to mean something is a certain, like, um, like artifact. Yeah. I always thought it was in relation to it covered a certain sect of artifacts, which it probably does. I mean, stuff found in this is 
it would be from antiquity, but I didn't know that that term was specific to kind of this time, time frame in Greece. Just something that was kind of older, yeah. basically. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it is weird to know that that was a, an actual like time, like the Gilded Age and different things like mm-hmm. that. Um, some of his characters that come into the Iliad, there's just no real backstory on them, but they do go into them later on. There's some that there's just flat out, like the King Agamemnon, there's really nothing that goes into really like where he came from or anything like that until you get to the later readings, which we found parts of where it'll talk about like his homeland in the sixth book, something like that. So they think that um, just because of that, that the Iliad and then his other stories had come out of other ancient traditions and other ancient kind of stories that were passed down just verbally and not ever written down because there was such a long time. If you were to think that the Trojan War happened in 1184 and this got written down between the 7th and 8th centuries, mm-hmm. there's a 500-year almost window there where it would have had to have stayed alive through history. Do you think in kind of in that vein where you're talking with multiple people all contributing in on it, do you think that maybe like all these stories came in and collections of stories and then one day like one person just was able to access all of the stories or it was some homer to me actually this is really weird he seems to be like a fan fiction writer yeah i i could see to that me, he's like he's today's he's like a, a fan fiction writer would be today he takes something that's already established and known if the even if the trojan war wasn't that big but he takes something that maybe people have heard about, but they don't know a lot about. Yeah, and he's I like, I that. have all this information, and it's been long enough since the Trojan War that I could probably actually use some information, write this down, create some characters, embellish a little bit, um, and maybe see if people like that. But it kind of sounds like maybe, to me, I think it'd be cool if Homer was the last guy in line to come in and just like read all of this information that all these other people had put together throughout the years about people that were there, um, you know, places they had seen because the, the Odyssey takes him all the way to like North Africa. So like they would have to have knowledge of like certain islands Mm because they were very, he was very detailed about this stuff. So they would have had to have information from, to even know that there was a North Africa, you know? Yeah. They they would have had to have traveled. They would have had to spread out or someone had, or would have had to brought back information on it. But like you said, there was this huge gap in time from the actual belief of when, like, the Trojan War had happened and then when he actually writes the Iliad. I I don't exactly know. When does the Iliad, or when does the Odyssey take place? Does it say, like, Immediately when Immediately following the Trojan War. It's, it's his return trip home from the Trojan War. Yeah, but as far as, like, when it was, like, manuscripts and shit that they found, was it later on or... Was it all together? I guess we don't really know that, do we? It, I think what ha- I don't know the dates on it or when it's supposed to be the dates. I know that like the Iliad where that ends. But you said the Trojan horse doesn't appear in the Iliad, right? No, the Trojan horse appears in the next one, which is uh, or the actually it appears in the fourth one, 
and then it is used in the fifth one. So the fourth book that we have a little bit of knowledge about, uh-huh. like we found pieces of it, was called the Little Iliad. Oh, so the Iliad is actually like unfinished or like undiscovered. Like it, it was just basically like the next in line of the novels. It was like the okay. Sorcerer's Stone to the whatever the first one. So I think Harry the, Potter was. So the Odyssey takes place from like the time that they cast off from Troy. To, to sell back to Ithaca. Okay. But as far as like published or anything like that or when he put it out because... I my- have no clue. In re- oh, I have no clue in the relation between like... Because the Iliad came first, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. My whole belief on it is I think that Homer may have existed but somebody, whoever it was or if it was a collection at some point decided to write down all these different plays that they had and uh, bards would go from town to town to different, not like amphitheaters because that was more of like a an Italian type deal but they would have big areas where they would come and do these plays and these plays would go on for two and three days at a time so I think whoever ended up writing them down, if it was Homer or something, someone along those lines, it was probably somebody that wanted to write down all these plays just to have them in written knowledge. So mm-hmm. instead of having like a, an oral tradition, it finally meets paper or papyrus, whatever it was, and then becomes an epic poetry book mm-hmm. instead of just a, a play. Well, kind of think about that. So, you know, you'd have traveling, you'd have these traveling actors that came in and would perform these shows and when stuff wasn't written, written down, the only people that knew how to do these shows in the story were the actors or whoever put the acts together, and then they would leave. So then you wouldn't have any entertainment. Mm-hmm. So at the time when you could finally start getting these stories down or getting stories, you could then have like almost an arts-type scene in your own city where you could have plays put on by actors that were from your city and kind of, I guess that would be a little bit more... of Like a script to keep, basically, yeah. for other... yeah. Uh, just to to have in town that could absolutely be I, I i just can't help but think through some of the things that i saw as far as like there's a time in the iliad where it towards the end of the book it was i, I don't even remember which which chapter it was but um achilles was handing out a piece of steel like an ingot of steel would, is like would a it, gift would it be more helpful to try to describe it during parts of the ch- movie troy Starring Eric Bana and Brad Pitt. Didn't didn't watch it. I went straight literary on all this. Right, I didn't right. didn't it, let. I'm actually I'm actually glad you didn't. That probably would have tainted a little bit of it for you. Yeah, it's movies just don't quite get things right. No, they don't. Um, but towards the end of it, Achilles is handing out as a prize a clump of silver, like an ingot mm-hmm. of steel, and it was. Like like a prize, you're handing something out. That's probably a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. But in the fourth chapter, they are talking about how the arrowheads that are being used are made of steel. So at a certain time, like thinking about handing out steel as a present, it was probably more precious. Mm -hmm. Whereas the fourth chapter was written in a way that made it sound like iron and steel were kind of, not steel, just iron ingots. Yeah. But that it was commonplace and that it was used in a lot of different things. Gotcha. So there's certain chapters that are written that sound like they were older, but they were kind of towards the end of it. Whereas the newer stuff that was put in as far as like the descriptions and the words Mm -hmm. were things that had come into existence later on. So it's, 
it's kind of like it was thrown together eventually, or it could have just been like rewrites. Like mm-hmm. somebody's just cleaning it up a little bit, changing some of the wording, adding some more detail. Make yeah, it more believable. Yeah, absolutely. So it's I want to believe that these probably came from one person, but they had been touched up, they had been edited, and they had been gone over. That a makes lot. sense because if you're trying to teach someone how to you know write, and someone's just like there was an army there, and they're like, okay, well, what did the army look like? And they're like, well, there were, you know, there were guys and they had weapons. Okay, can you tell me about, you know, what they were wearing and what their weapons look like? Because the more detail you can provide, the more believable your story is going to be. Well, and if you have like a stage set up where these people are performing and it's, you're yeah. seeing kind of their outfits mm-hmm. or how they're dressed, what they're using, you can kind of see it in your head to put a little bit more yeah. detail in. So, um, I don't really know what else to go into about Homer just because he's he was a very important figure in kind of the Grecian writings as far as they would use it. I feel like there was a little bit of plagiarism and bad research on me, not looking this up, but reading it, it reads so much like the Bible. It feels like there's an imposter somewhere. Yeah. There's, um, there's a bunch of talk revolving around the Odyssey about, so basically the Odyssey is just this, um, story of all these challenges it's like a you know they have legends of like you know hercules doing the seven labors and all that stuff so odysseus's big claim to fame is he's just a mortal man where all of these other greek like legends and myths are all involving like you know demigods or gods themselves Mm -hmm. so odysseus's big thing is that he's like the everyman he's not the strongest he's you know he's smart and everything it's kind of a weird turn around from what you would think at the time when at the time, nothing but like strength, you know, was the strongest strength was valued most. Um, but I'm trying to remember where I was even going with this. Oh, um, one of the other things that was going to bring up to kind of lend the fact that it was multiple writers, mm-hmm. um, when they go through it and analyze it and look at like the Homeric pentameter and how it was written, about 20% of the lines don't fall into the same rhyme scheming, or not rhyme scheming, but like the patterning of syllables mm-hmm. and different things. So that kind of lends to the idea that there was somebody else that got in on it just because that 20% of the writing in the lines looked different from the rest of it. So those yeah. could have been edits from other people, but they couldn't really fit it in the same mm-hmm. like scheme that he had it. So they were just kind of add-ons. Okay. All right, well, do you want to go ahead and jump into the... Oh, okay, I finally figured out what I was talking about. This is going to have... I feel like this is going to have a lot during this episode. So one of the things about the Odyssey is that these challenges that he had to go through, they almost always kind of like refer back to how these stories... Because this was pre-Bible. Was it? Yeah. So I thought was, they were very close. They were written. No, because when when is all this supposed to happen? You said you were talking about seven hundred, you know, BC. Yeah, when was the Bible written? After Jesus, or after Jesus was born? Because isn't he the? But the Old Testament was before Jesus. I don't think it's that far before Jesus. Uh, let's look it up. All right, continue. Okay. So what I was saying is that there's a lot of references. They're saying that the Bible took from the Odyssey from these challenges that they could have like a biblical, you know, biblical, uh, biblical spin to them. <laughs> so like, um, going through one of them, it's like they compare, I want to say they compare Odysseus to like Mark 
because both were like in the book of Mark because both of them had to like overcome challenges or something like that. It's, oh, so there was actually like name to name comparisons in in the documentary and the information oh, okay. I was yeah, watching. Yeah, yeah. Not gotcha. I I don't know if it's something like you know the the Old Testament reference. I don't think that occurred. No. So it says. Christian Bible has two sections, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is the original Hebrew Bible, the sacred scriptures of the Jewish faith written at different times between 1200 and 165 BC. Mm. So it could have been kind of in the same So realm. maybe it's in the New Testament because isn't like the book of Mark and everything, isn't that New Testament stuff? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, yeah, yeah. That's okay, so I guess that's what they're more, they're more referring to, having inspiration for the... Um, chapters of the New Testament, the Bible. Boy, I had a little bit of church knowledge kick in there, there and I started figuring yeah. out the. We, we sang a song in school. Oh, to tell you about the, the dates Matthew, and... Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and the Romans to go through and remember all the oh, books. Oh, gotcha. I never read any of them, but I. You I, learned the song. Yeah, I know where they are. You would have put the Bible to music, you would have learned it. <laughs> Maybe. All right. So, uh, yeah, teach me about the Iliad. The Iliad is. Uh, like I say, I, I'm not an intellectual. I don't read a lot of books. There's not a whole lot. I don't think I have ADD, but there's a chance. There, That feeling is there Like when I get into reading some of this stuff. I'm pretty it, sure everybody has uh, ADD. Just like a, a layer of it. I'm pretty sure ADD has become something that we've just evolutionarily <laughs> gotten. Because you think about it, like there's so much more stuff to grab your attention. It's almost impossible to like not be focused on like multiple things. You know what? You know what? When it was easy to stay focused, when the only toy was a fucking stick and that wooden wheel and you <laughs> ran it down the street or when there was only one video game to choose from. Either that or it's like an or evolutionary was, measure that we haven't kicked yet because dude, there's, back... there's the internet. I'm telling you right now, like the internet and ADD, you could probably just look and see the spike. As soon as the internet became popular, ADD probably went crazy. True. It just feels like you got to think if you were like caveman days and all that, mm-hmm. you only had one thing you had to do, which was just stay alive. But in that one thing to stay alive, like if you were out hunting, you mm-hmm. had to be cognizant of everything else around you while you were hunting. Or yeah. if you were making something, you had to make sure somebody wasn't going to sneak up or like a, oh, yeah. an we've animal lost definitely you. some of our like depth perception and field of vision and those like visual acuity of noticing movement and hearing sounds. Yeah. I think we've definitely lost that evolutionarily. Well, ADD though, I, you have to have your mind focused on 10 different things at a time as opposed to just like sitting down and doing one. What's crazy is if you have ADD and you're taking ADD medication, it's supposed to go ahead and dial that back to where you can focus on more than one thing. If you don't have full ADD, you take it and you just want to focus on everything. (laughs) Or you're just like, you're just, you're just (laughs) trying to focus on everything and you're just wired. Yeah. So, Getting into reading it, I had to just cut it up into as many sections as possible in order to get it in before, but I couldn't just sit down and read it. And I would listen to different talks from people talking about how they they got it and they were going to read one chapter a night, and then one chapter turned into eight, and then the next night was another ten, and just going through it, I thought, great for those people, but that's not... I can only click in for so long because mm-hmm. there's just so, it so wasn't much. The, it wasn't the page turner that it was advertised as. No, but it was still a great story. Um, it, it gives you a lot of, I'd look at it as it just, it would make a good movie, but it's almost two stories going on at the same time because you have 
the actual Trojan War that's happening on the ground, but you also have the fighting and the influx of anger with the Greek gods above them. Mm-hmm. It's basically like the Trojan War is the Greek gods playing chess with the humans. Okay, so do you have different Greek gods on different... Oh, you do. That's right. Mm-hmm. You have different gods on different sides, but they're fighting like through the armies. They're not allowed yep. to really fight each other. They're allowed to like influence each other's armies to try to beat the other one. They have these things. Um, they're called Aristas. Aristias, I mm-hmm. believe, is what they are that Homer uses, where there will be... It's kind of like when you watch an action movie and guy starts going crazy, like Rambo going through the woods, gutting people. Like, like you go like berserker mode. Yeah, yeah. you see superhuman things come mm-hmm. through, and Homer uses them in the Iliad for different warriors that are fighting on different sides where gods will actually like give those pushes mm-hmm. to... Um, Whoever is doing the majority so it's of the fight, basically like level up. Yeah, and then you have like, I, yeah. like you catch a turbo boost, you go nuts. So an easy way that I kind of figured out to go through and remember some of this stuff is you have the Greek side and you have the Trojan side. Um, so what what started the conflict? The does, conflict it, does that cover? Does it cover what started the conflict? Yeah. Okay. So just for some names that I'll be using, um, each side has a king. Each side has what they call a champion, um, and then there's some other major characters. So on the Greek side, Agamemnon is going to be the king. He's going to be he's just a, a selfish prick that really doesn't care about anybody but himself. So he he rules over like the the large portion of the Greek Empire. So that like covers like Sparta and other areas, and um. This takes place in the Aegean. Yeah, the Aegean Sea. So they think that Troy, basically where this site is, where they think it happened, was up in northwestern Turkey across the Aegean Sea from where Greece was, mm-hmm. or Greece is. What, what was the name of Agamemnon's like kingdom? It was, it was it Mycenae? That's what it, yeah. I, Macedonia, Maced- so Macedonia so was Alexander's. Words. I think it's Mycenae or Mycenae. Mycenae, something like that. The best thing that I could figure out was everything, all the Greek side was from the western side yep. of the Aegean Sea, and all the Troy side was the eastern side. Gotcha. So, um, Agamemnon is going to be the king on the Greek side. Achilles is their champion. Achilles is just an absolute badass throughout this whole thing. He really comes into his own towards the end, and we'll get into that. Um, he's got a buddy kind of questionable whether it was buddy stepbrother lover um they don't really make it clear but his that's name why, is patroclus huh that's why the point yeah his name is patroclus and he was kind of like achilles right hand man they were always together they were Petricles? always hanging out huh petrocles uh patroclus petrocles i i it i think it's petrocles petrocles whatever okay. um my favorite character uh his name is ajax and Ajax was a giant. He was a, a big, large man that did a lot of fighting. Didn't ever get the shine from anybody else, but was just always Wait, there. Wait, are you kidding me? He's got one of the most well-known, powerful dish detergents named after him, or cleaning detergents named after him for your toilet. Ajax? Well, that and Eddie Murphy played Ajax in... Uh, Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. 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 So I guess he got a little bit of love after He's that. He's getting his love now. And he, Yeah, he actually did get a... Uh, Another book that was written about kind of his adventures later on. I don't think that it was Homer. It was somebody else. Um, Nestor, an old cleric that was just kind of out there. He was a 
a guy on the battlefield that had seen a lot of battle. Is that who they think Homer put himself into? He was Nestor, or is he... He wasn't blind. He was just kind of like the oldest warrior of the group. Okay. Um, There was... I'm going to fuck this name up for sure, and I heard it a million times. Uh, Menelaus. 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 And he was the king of Sparta before it was absorbed into kind of the Greek area. Mm-hmm. So he he plays a huge part in this whole entire thing because it, it we'll get to it, but Menelaus, Menelaus, whatever, I'm going to go with Menelaus. Um, Odysseus, who you'll get into, mm-hmm. I'm sure, was a member of this. And then... Uh, it was like a huge, like assortment of like Greek states because they were all under this one ruler and Troy was it you know a power in its own right but you had all of these armies and being gathered just to go at Troy yeah you're drawing from every part of the Greek empire at that point to go after this mm-hmm. one spot um so the ones on the Trojan side um Priam is the king on the Trojan side He's got a lot of sons that play into this and are pretty much it's Priam's family that runs Troy as far as where everything is. Uh, their champion is Hector, who is Priam's son. He has another son named Paris, who's a pretty boy and basically the reason that this whole thing is happening. And then Helen of Troy. And Helen of Troy is basically what this whole thing gets centered on towards the end of it because... Helena Troy was Menelaus's wife, mm-hmm. and Paris was a very good-looking kid, hair slicked back, just real sharp chin, just apparently a very attractive man. And um, one of the gods on the Trojan side is Aphrodite, mm-hmm. so the goddess of love, yeah. whatever horniness. Um, she took a liking to Paris, so she she really jewed up Paris. Paris ends up stealing Helen from Menelaus, and that love triangle plays out towards the beginning. It's kind of what could have ended the war in its ninth, heading into its tenth year, but it just kind of outlines there's a a push and pull of fighting in this whole thing, but there's kind of a romance deal to it, which, like we talked about before with the natural disasters, I think they probably had to have romance in some of this Mm -hmm. stuff to get it sold. So we're going to kick it off and start it. Um, One of the things before that was the way that Homer wrote this, there was no antagonist and protagonist, really. Mm -hmm. It was fairly even on both sides. Gotcha. So he he didn't have a side that he essentially viewed, he, you know, wrote in a negative light. No. He was was writing this as it, you would just like, you know, view a impartial, I was going to say impartial news report, but that doesn't (laughs) happen. Um, So so, yeah, so you were... Which, again, I think that maybe falls into the line of having it from so many different sources. Yeah, you're going to see it from a bunch uh-huh. of different sides yeah. instead of just being one guy. Because you're going to be biased towards one way or the other. Because if Homer's Greek, aren't you going to view Troy as the enemy? You'd think so. Yeah. Um, this has taken place for nine years before this. So this was a very, very long war. Um, and in the beginning, this is what kicked everything off. Was... Um, the Trojan prince came over and abducted a Greek queen. So mm-hmm. this is Paris abducting Helen. They end up hooking up, getting married. And, of course, that just absolutely pissed off so the So not Greek abducting. Side. He stole her. Yeah. I, she wanted She wanted to go. I, I don't know if there's a little Stockholm syndrome in there or something, but she she was happy being there. She was 
kind of a malaise character. She didn't come from a lot before she met Menelaus, so she doesn't... There's no, like, taste for the finer things. Um, so, the book actually starts talking about the Rage of Achilles, which I think is kind of a badass way to start the book. I, I don't remember exactly word for word is, but it was talking about the Rage of Achilles. And you come to find out really quick that Achilles has these two just kind of major things that happen in this book. And the first one was, was Agamemnon had taken a daughter of, um, one of Apollo, the God's priests. Mm -hmm. And he had taken him for a concubine for one of his own to be a part of his harem. And Apollo was pissed. Apollo was sending down all these plagues, just killing people left and right, sending down literal lightning bolts or figurative lightning bolts, whatever. Um, killing people left and right. So the Greeks knew that even though they were still giving praise to Apollo, Apollo was not happy about this happening. Mm -hmm. And Agamemnon, being the selfish prick that he was, refused to give her up. He refused to give her back to Apollo's uh, priest, didn't want anything else. He said that he had valued her, or this woman who was very pretty, um, higher up on his list of night bangs than his own wife. So he, he really loved her, didn't want to give her up. But it was coming to a point where the Greeks weren't going to beat Apollo. Apollo was just going to absolutely knock their dicks in the dirt yeah. and grind them into the ground. So Achilles, being the champion, um, consults with um, a holy man. And the holy man tells him, you need to go tell Agamemnon he needs to give back the uh, priest daughter and you need to make a sacrifice of a hundred cows to Apollo. He'll let up. Everything will be okay. Achilles goes and tells this to Agamemnon. Agamemnon says, no way. That's not going to happen. She's my favorite. She's my bottom bitch, She's whatever bottom you want to say. Yeah. Um, and says, basically, go to hell. So Achilles and him get into an argument, get into a screaming match. And Achilles is really laying it on him, calling him a piece of shit. Um it ends up coming out that Agamemnon agrees to it if he can take some of the treasure back from some of his soldiers as a payment from them, and he wants to take Achilles' wife instead of the priest's daughter. So, of course, Achilles... So Agamemnon does rule over wherever Achilles is from. Yeah, he's, he's the king of the, the Grecian Empire, okay. I guess you would say. So Achilles, obviously, you're not going to take that very well. If the guy's like, I'll give her back, but I'm going to take your wife mm -hmm. and you're my champion. So I should probably have a little bit more respect. Achilles threatens him, goes to pull out his dagger. The guards step in, say this isn't going to happen. Uh, Achilles, very angry about this, goes to his mom, who his mom was a sea nymph. I don't know what the hell a nymph is, but. Uh, somebody that said, not a god, but in a godlike, immortal sense. So Achilles is technically half god, half human. Uh, yeah, a nymph is like, uh, like a sprightly. They're supposed to be like a young looking, like a younger looking girl, very like sprightly, and that's where they actually get the term nympho nymphomania from. Is because no they are yeah really yeah because huh. they're supposedly supposed to be just like. Horny. The the word that they used when they were describing this is they're they're very sprightly and I'm like yeah you mean horny <laughs> you don't mean sprightly you mean okay. horny just say it that makes sense but that's yeah that's where you get the term nymphomania from so does 
Sprite the soda? Is that supposed to make you boned up and horny or what? Is that an know. aphrodisiac? Is Sprite a redneck aphrodisiac? Is that aphrodisiac? why Sprite always makes me horny? <laughs> Does it? Redneck Viagra, is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Baby, I got us a two-liter Sprite tonight. <laughs> We're getting it on. Uh, so as Achilles goes and talks to his mom, he asks her for help from the gods in order to take over Agamemnon or Agamemnon and get his wife back. Uh, she goes to Zeus because Zeus owes her a favor and Zeus is the god of the gods. Mm-hmm. He's, he's King Dick at this point. And she asks for basically revenge for her son. And Zeus says, okay, uh, I owe you one. I, I'll agree to this. We'll see what we can do about it. And she basically says that she knows that Achilles will die one day, even though he is half God, he's still mortal. Mm-hmm. She said that she would rather see him die at war than she would see him die in being forgotten. So like Mm -hmm. you're a legend if you die on the battlefield, if you go back, you'll be forgotten. And at this point, Achilles had told Agamemnon to fuck himself. He went back to his boat. He said, I'm done fighting for you. I'm Mm -hmm. not doing it anymore. So she wanted to draw him back into the fighting and have him die that way. So he would be remembered for forever. Well, Zeus agreeing to this, the big issue there was his wife, uh, oh shit, Hera, Hera. huh? Hera. Hera, 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 that's right. She's a big fan you of were Greeks. getting real close to spilling, okay, I feel like you're close to spilling that. There you go, trick it down. Is that better? Yep, yeah, that's better for me. So, her being a fan of the Greeks, she doesn't want to see anything bad happen to Agamemnon, she doesn't want to see anything bad happen to them, but... She Zeus has to figure out a way to get Achilles back into the fighting mm-hmm. while doing this. So he tells her... He's like, God damn it. He's like, my fucking wife yeah, is I, on my ass about this. He's like, I gotta find a way to sneak this guy back into this shit. Even gods don't get a chance to. Uh, they gotta deal with kids. They gotta deal with wives. Mm-hmm. They, they, well, and oh, they the can gods, live forever. Well, And the gods are the worst fucking people about this. Like, yeah. all the great gods are just fucking everything and making little demi- demigods and then... They don't like each other, and it's just like a big shitty family that Zeus has to put up with being the guy. So, um, the first step that Zeus takes is he goes down and gets into Agamemnon's dreams, tells Agamemnon some bad intel about the Trojans um, that they need to attack sooner rather than later. Agamemnon wakes up the next day, tests his boys out, says, everybody go home. We're all going back to Greece. We're, we're done with this. Excuse me. And um, I think it was Odysseus steps up and says, hey, this is a test. We're not leaving. He wants to see our loyalty. So goes, tells Agamemnon, we're sticking around. We're going to fight behind you, all this stuff. He's like, sweet. That's what I wanted, which I don't know how you would get that confused. But uh, they decide that they are going to go on the attack for the Trojans. And um, they're getting ready, getting geared up. Well, part of it was the Trojans were about to attack them. So the Trojans were about to get the jump on the Greeks. I I assume that the Trojans, understanding what Paris had done and in taking that guy's life, uh, that there was going to be some reprisal. So instead of just sit back and wait for it, there was probably something, you know, uh, you know, we know they're coming after us, so we should probably put something together first. Well, and that happened nine years before. So this is still the the last year of this war is oh, when okay. it starts. 
gotcha. So okay. this is just basically like the end of how everything finishes up. Oh, okay. So there was nine years of fighting to the point to where the Trojan fort where they were staying, like their stronghold, mm-hmm. was a certain way away from the beach. And the Greeks had had their boats parked there for nine years. And they were just fighting over this strip of land to the point to where like the Greeks had, had reinforced it with their own kind of fort walls mm-hmm. they had dug moats they had dug spike pits all this different stuff yeah if you're gonna be somewhere for 10 you know to protect for nine, 10 years you're gonna you're gonna fix it up yeah so the greeks are getting all fired up getting ready trojans pop out of their fortress and start heading towards them the fighting breaks out almost immediately and it's just a real bloodbath at that point going both ways and at one point, um, Menelaus steps out and starts talking shit because on this side, the Greeks don't have a champion anymore. Mm-hmm. Achilles is gone. He's out sitting on his boat with Patroclus, whatever you said mm-hmm. his name was. And they're playing liars, which I didn't know what that was. I assume it's a harp. But uh, I think, yeah, I think that is like a lute. Maybe. Yeah. They need somebody to step up and Menelaus is ready. Menelaus calls out Paris by name, obviously, because of the love triangle. And Paris is Hector's little brother, mm-hmm. and he's just a terrible warrior. He's always worried about having his armor he's, shined up. Yeah, he's not he's worried about killing other, people. He's got other skills. Yeah. He's out here. He's a lover. Yeah, he's out here snaking other dudes' chicks. <laughs> so Menelaus calls him out. There's a separation. Paris goes out to talk to him. Menelaus threatens him, and he just basically tucks tail and run and runs into Hector. And Hector's like, "You got to do this. Like, this isn't. You're the reason that this whole thing has happened. Turn your ass around. Yep, and fucking handle your shit. You remember when I used to beat you when we were Mm -hmm. young? Use some of that and get back out there. So he gives him a pep talk, and it's decided in a treaty that whoever wins is going to be the winner of the war. and So this, they, they use the champion system. They're just like, yeah. you call out your best warrior, you call out yours, except in this situation, it's like, hey, I'm calling out the dude that's boning my wife. Mm-hmm. Let's settle this. The love triangle started this, and this is where it's going to end. It sounds like a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, you'll see what happens after that. It just, it seemed like it was a good idea until it happened. So... Paris goes out there. Um, it starts. It, Homer has a weird way of starting these one on ones where the first thing that always happens is that there's spear throws. Mm-hmm. And the spear throws never hit, they never connect in a one on one. It's always a spear throw, then it goes to knives, and then it goes hand to hand combat. Mm-hmm. So both spear Not throws spears, miss. Swords. Well, yeah. So the swords, they end up coming close contact, close quarters. They're fighting back and forth end up going hand-to-hand, and Paris is just getting his ass beat. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely smoked. And it's very clear that the Greeks are going to come up on top. Helen's going back to Greece. She's going back to Sparta. And then Aphrodite decides that she can't see Paris slain, so she pops herself down into the mortal world and scoops him up, sends out a gray mist, takes him off of the battlefield, and delivers him back to his room. So he's safe at the time, but... The Greeks are pissed because this didn't get finished. They clearly they won. Like, who's this silver bitch floating down out of the sky? That's what I'm saying. They the gods are in this whole war of trying to. They want to see whoever they favor win. So they're controlling all these different things, and I don't know if it was just the fact that they wanted it to go on for their entertainment or what. Which again, thinking about a, a fictional deity. 
you can't explain anything. Yeah, the other thing too is like you always see in Greek culture, then this might be my brain just merging fact and fiction. Well, the Greek mythology would be fiction anyway, but um, that the gods were only as strong as how much praise and worship they were getting. So of course they would want, you know, a war like this because it wouldn't just be, you know, the god of war being prayed to. It would be, you know, let my family back home be safe. So you would get like the god of the harvest and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I, my loved one, I miss my loved ones, the god of love. So like conflict was good essentially for the gods if that was the case that people believed that like Homer, if part of his story was to say, oh, the gods were part of this because this is how they got their strength. They were getting sacrifices. They were getting yeah. praise. Yeah, definitely. And they definitely, it feels like there are certain ones that sided up, like Hera with the Greeks, um, Apollo with the Trojans, Ares fights with the Trojans. Um, it just There's different rivaling sides, and it's just brothers and sisters choosing different sides in, yeah. in an argument, basically. So, excuse me, so... That day of fighting stopped, and I. This whole thing seems like they were on good terms because there was certain. I guess after nine years, you probably have to pound out like a, a council that'll sit together and talk. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking about just a complete ceasefire between the Trojans and the Greeks, and they they want to hold the gentleman's agreement as far as knowing that Greece won, but they didn't get the blood that they wanted mm-hmm. to with the win, so. It's kind of basically decided that the truth that they put in is going to be what happens on Earth. Well, up top, of course, in Godland, in Mount Olympus, is that Hmm? where they were? They're not happy about it because there wasn't an ending to it. And they need to figure out how to make something happen to continue this because they They didn't feel like... side up their wins. Yeah, well, they wanted it to basically continue. That's true. So one of the gods sneaks down at night and talks to one of the archers and says, Hey, here's the deal. Um, You're going to meet for the ceasefire. As soon as the Greeks turn around, you're going to fire an arrow through and you're going to try to hit Menelaus. Mm Mm-hmm. That's going to break the treaty. We're going to start the fighting again, and it's all going to get revved right back up. So they have the treaty process that happens. The archer fires an arrow through and ends up drilling Menelaus, like, right, I think it was in the back shoulder, they said. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the Greeks knew that it was on, and they knew that they were going back and this wasn't over yet. So after that happens... um, it's just a big sweet war throughout that entire day and it goes back and forth. Um, the Trojans start to gain a little bit of land and then, um, Diomedes, one of the guys on the Greek side, I don't know if I'd mentioned him earlier, ends up getting his Aristia and goes full on nuts to the point to where he takes on Ares, the God of war and ends up slicing him to the point to where he has to disappear from the battlefield and go back up to Mount Olympus and be treated. Mm-hmm. So obviously he's not going to die, but he basically had an Aristia from one of the gods on the Greek side to the point to where he wounded the god of war to the point where he had to leave. So a very badass mm-hmm. scene. And I just see this in video game terms when it's like someone going, oh, and then just like going nuts. Like you just hit a power like said, up. Like a t- yeah. Yeah. Getting the getting the star in Mario Brothers. Yep. And just running through people. <laughs> uh, where was I? Um, so he gets his, he cuts the God of War. He, he, Ares has to go back up to Olympus to heal. Yeah. 
So that day ends um, with another one-on-one challenge where Hector, who is the champion on the Trojan side, says, we need to finish this day off. We need to make this happen. So I challenge anybody on the Greek side to step up and make this happen. Greece not having a champion. He's trying to end the war right there. Yeah, okay. he, he wanted it to be done at that point. There's gotcha. certain times where there's like whoever wins, wins, and we all go home, okay. which I'm sure is probably the best thing that they could have done. Yeah. Um, so Hector's out there talking shit, telling him there's nobody that's going to step up, there's nobody that's going to happen, because Greek side doesn't have a champion. Achilles yeah. isn't there again. So he finally makes a couple references to needing a man to step up and fight him, and nine Greeks step up. They say we're ready to go. They draw straws, which it's kind of cool to know that that was still happening mm-hmm. back in the day. And my guy Ajax wins. Ajax the Mighty is what he's referred to. He's either referred to as Ajax the Giant or Ajax the Mighty. And I was looking up a couple sculptures of him. Very strong, hardy-looking dude, but mm-hmm. he got the full Greek treatment. He got the Statue of David treatment, which is kind of a bummer. But... Uh, they go again, starts like the other one, throw their spears, two misses, um, end up knocking each other's weapons out of their hands, go to combat. And they fought for so long that it finally just got dark. And for some reason, darkness had stopped the war at this point to where they ended up pulling them apart saying, we have no solution to this. Mm-hmm. We're just going to have to continue it on the next day. They get up. Shake hands, exchange pleasantries, mm-hmm. like, hey, you're a good fighter, hey, you're a good fighter, okay, whatever. And freeze. We're going to find out what position you were in. Okay, you were here, you were here. <laughs> it's like, what we position you? Like in wrestling, where yeah. they're like, okay, you get they down. They stood up for a timeout. Yeah. Which, again, just such a, the whole way that they fought wars was just so weird. Um, the whole way that he described the war being fought. Yeah, which I, I think that, I don't think that the Trojan War was necessarily like a big historic war. I really believe that this whole thing was just something that had happened probably fairly frequently when they would try to raid like other areas that mm-hmm. weren't in the Greek Empire. And the Trojans or whoever they were at that time just put up a really good fight. So this was one that got written about. So the Aegean, I was looking this up because it's going to play into the Odyssey. I was trying to figure out kind of comparably how big the Aegean is. The so, sea? Yeah. So uh, the Aegean Sea where all of this happens, you know, the area between Greece and, and Troy... It's smaller than the state of Utah, which in uh, it's, but, wow. but that's still like a lot of, it's not like you're looking from one island to the next, you know, the cliffs mm-hmm. of Dover over to France and you can see the coast. Well, and it's by boat, so it's going to take forever. Yeah. So, but I was always, I was trying to figure that out and cause it's going to play in, you'll, you'll see, I'll tie it back into okay. the Odyssey. So they split up Ajax and Hector. Yep. They decide that it's a draw. Um, and at this point, the Trojans are like, hey, <laughs> I know we screwed up last time. I know that our archer fired the arrow. Let's have a treaty again. Let's see what happens here. Let's do a treaty. Let's just call it good. We'll give you a bunch of our gold and the things that we mm-hmm. have. You guys walk away. We'll call it. And of course, at that point, there was no treaty being accepted. No, you've already been there for, what, nine years? Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not taking it that. So... Zeus at this point starts to tip it towards the Trojans because he knows that the Greeks need to be on their backs for Achilles to come out of retirement, basically, mm-hmm. and make it happen. So the next day, Zeus has a hand in the Trojans just absolutely molly um the Greeks to the point where they were beating them down, 
to that point in the day where they had gained more ground than they had in the nine years that they had had before on the Greeks pushing them back towards their boats. I was going to say, and you got to understand that the Greeks here are in like a foreign land. They've probably established like, like you were saying, forts and everything, but essentially the area between, you know, where their lines are, that's just them getting pushed back into the sea. Yeah. It's them getting pushed back to their boats. Or it's the Trojans getting pushed back into their stronghold. It's basically like an open field. Um, And at that point, seeing what the Trojans did that day, Agamemnon really gets desperate. He's really thinking, like, this is something that we're probably headed home with the Mm -hmm. loss. We're not going to be greeted well at home after this happens. So that night, they're pushed so far back that... Um, the Trojans are actually camping on the battlefield. And one of the things I forgot to mention after the um, Ajax-Hector fight was that they agreed to take a day off so that they could collect all their dead bodies mm-hmm. on the fields and take them back and like dress them for burial yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So they had enough of a sense between them that like we can take a day off. We can have an armistice, basically. Mm-hmm. We can go out and get the things that we need to done without killing each other. So there was a little bit of mutual respect, maybe, between the two of them. You wake up one day and you're like, oh, thank God it's dead body day. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God we get to go pick up all of our dead. What? I'm on the dead body team? God damn it. Your job is just to travel around with like just a, like a wagon and a horse and just that's probably what it was. Well, and you have to identify your soldiers, you know, based upon either what they're wearing or what they look like. They would probably, at this point, think of over this course of time, had they just left dead bodies out there, the disease would have killed everyone. Well, that, and then there'd just be no place to fight at that point. That's true. Could you imagine rolling up on one of them and rolling them over and be like, hey, this looks like Steve. Is this Steve? Eh, I don't know if it's Steve. And then you call over to the Trojans like, hey, is this one of yours? Mm-hmm. Is this dead guy laying here one of yours or is it one of ours? And like you're arguing over who has yeah. to take him just because everybody's mutilated at that like, point. You're they, fighting. I don't, I don't recognize him. Do we leave him? You take half, we'll take half. <laughs> You're showing up to guys that got their heads cut off. You're like, mm-hmm. who was this? Yeah, no kidding. Um, so that night, Agamemnon finally kind of looks in to realize that what he's done has really caused this to be a big issue. And what he did to um, Achilles just didn't work in their best interest. So Wait, he you're going to tell me that asking for a dude's wife... And making him give you his wife is not going to ingratiate that guy. Do you, is that <laughs> yeah. where his mistake oh, was? He's like, oh, he's like, I really shouldn't have asked for his wife. Well, it, he makes a concession here that I feel like was something that he just threw in to make Achilles feel better about the situation. So he sends um, Ajax the Great and Odysseus to see Achilles down on his boats, who he's just hanging out down in the Aegean watching all this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells them that he can have basically all the gold that he has in his tent, um, and that he will return Achilles' wife, not just return her, but he wanted them to assure Achilles that she was unbedded. So that he had her for all this time, but he never slept with her or did anything like that. He wanted them, he drove that point home, make sure that she's unbedded. Make sure that he knows that. Make sure he knows that I didn't hump her. So they get down there, and again, Achilles and Patroclus are down there playing their liars. They're making making some food on the boat. Achilles is pumped to see his two buddies that came down to see him. I just him. see them getting it set up in like they have like sand volleyball. 
set up down there and like they got a barbecue and everything someone's playing music they're just like hey what's up they're grilling hot dogs mm-hmm. out on the boat and throwing the uh the vortex on the beach yeah because he's <laughs> just sitting there in a lawn chair with one of those like reflective shades <laughs> underneath his face uh that could have happened he walks in they're like he's like so how's the war going yeah we're talking about stuff that might or might not happen anything you could say anything at this point but it- he greets them both. He's happy to see them. Um, they stay for the night, and Patroclus and Achilles make them dinner. As they're talking over it, they break out what they call the relaxing wine, which I feel like the relaxing wine had to have a little THC in it, because oh, yeah. it just only makes sense. What's the stuff they've been finding uh, in in wine? I think it's called ergot. It's like a psychedelic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. There's been, I don't know if it's um, been from antiquity. Now i got to use it. Um but they've started to find like clay pots from around like this era or like the Roman era and everything where that they would use to ferment wine in and mm. they're able to detect even, you know, the wine's dried up and all that kind of stuff, but they're able to still from like a analysis standpoint, find out what was in it. And they found some wine uh, containers that have ergot and ergot's like a psychedelic. So they're thinking that that would be part of like a ceremonial wine for like priests wanting to have visions and stuff like that. They would drink this uh, spiked wine. Well, maybe that's why they thought the gods existed, mm-hmm. which uh, here at historically high, we're pro psychedelic podcasts. So mm-hmm. we're happy to hear that. We're, the Greeks we're pro were. Uh, Greek mythology, Roman mythology. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're there. Um, at this point, Achilles hears the plan. He hears that he's getting his unbedded wife back and tells them to tell Agamemnon to stick it. Says, I think that, not a, an exact translation, but he said that that guy's the worst. He's like, not good. No, I, you're not going to get a guy back after you take his wife like that. So Ajax and um, Odysseus. Odysseus, yeah, Odysseus, head back, tell Agamemnon the bad news. Um, Agamemnon realizes at this point that he is going to have to step up and actually start pulling his weight. So next day he gets set up and decides that he's going to lead the battle that day, gets all of his armor on and he ends up catching his, um, Aristia that day and was cutting heads off left and right, taking out generals, just working his way through the battlefield really well. Um, we're kind of getting down to where it's very convenient that he catches that on the one day he decides to suit up. Yeah. The one day he really tries, mm-hmm. um, they end up pushing the Trojans all the way back to their gates. So they took everything back that the Trojans mm-hmm. had fought for that whole day by morning. Um, and seeing that we see Apollo come back down on the, uh, Trojan side and he gives kind of a partial Aristia to Hector, where Hector is doing the same thing. He's taking on full flanking sides of Greek soldiers and just slicing and dicing them and going through. The point to where he gets them pushed so far back again, he almost fights and gets everything back that they had lost that morning, just basically by himself. And this whole time this is happening, Ajax is around Agamemnon, protecting him, making sure mm-hmm. that he's... He's not getting jumped or anything yeah. like that. There's people like different. What they call that like the um like his royal guard. Yeah, kind of like yeah, a group of soldiers whose job it is to make sure he doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's commanders going down. Ajax has to be around them to protect them, and things are getting kind of clear that 
just the little push that they had this morning was going to be their last gasp. And um, Nestor, the guy that I was telling you about that was kind of like the oldest warrior, goes and is in his tent and um, Patroclus shows up. While Nestor's talking to him, he basically has another vision, whatever, and tells him that the only way the Greeks are going to win this war is if he were to don Achilles' armor Mm -hmm. and lead Achilles' troop into battle because without, excuse me, without having the leader of Achilles there, his whole troop of soldiers hadn't been in war or anything like that because they didn't have anybody to lead them. So they were going to be fresh. They were going to be what they needed. He's like, if I'm not fighting, my men aren't going to fight. Yeah. Yeah. So all those guys, it was a, a royal something. It was a, a special group of like the top fighters that Achilles. I would imagine trained. that if he's the champion, then his men are probably like trained under him. Yep. He's probably very selective. He's probably got a pretty elite group of individuals that are fighting under him. Which they're like they're like the special forces basically. Yeah. yeah. And the whole time they're just sitting on the sidelines mm-hmm. watching everybody get their ass kicked. So at that point, Patroclus is like, yeah, I don't know. I'll think about it. I'll go back. I'll talk to Achilles. We'll see what he wants to do. If he'll let me have his armor, mm-hmm. use his armor, anything like that. Um, where are we at? Uh, Patroclus dons Achilles' armor. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, as that's happening, Zeus thinks that everything's kind of going his way. He's... He's getting to a point to where it looks really good on the Trojan side. They're going to keep pushing him down mm-hmm. before he has to make his move. So he goes ahead and takes his eyes off the war and goes and does something else in Godland. He looks up towards the north or something else that's going He's on. Like, I haven't taken a shit yet today. Is that? <laughs> no, do you think like Zeus is like, I have not taken a shit yet today. Yeah. I, I wasn't kinda... saying that for me. I'm like, okay. Zeus is like, okay, this looks okay. I think I can duck or duck away for a couple minutes. Well, and he had already told all the kids, it's time to step out of this. This isn't something that mm. involves you. So you back off. And of course, your kids are always going to listen to you. They're not going to do anything. Oh, yet. of course. But he didn't count on his brother Poseidon going ahead and getting involved to help the Greeks because, of course, Poseidon was on the Greek side, just mm-hmm. like his wife was. And the winds kick up, the waters go nuts, and they start to push the Trojans back. And while this is going on, um, his wife, Hera, Hera, um, sees that she needs to get involved too to make sure that Zeus doesn't turn around and see what Poseidon's doing. So she dolls herself up real hot, real goddess hot, goes and sees Aphrodite, gets a little love spell, and goes and sees the god of sleep to try and. After they bang, what was his? What was the god of sleep's name? I want to say it's something that they've named like a sleeping pill after nowadays. It was. Oh man, I know that's something ambient about, but let's see. <laughs> Hypnos. Hip. Yep. Okay. That's a sweet name, Hypnos. So Hypnos <laughs> gives her the the potion. Um, she goes and finds Zeus. Zeus is like, damn, you look good. You look real good. And she goes, I was just on my way to help another couple of gods that were having sexual issues. I just, I want to go help them. He's like, no, 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 you're staying here. She's like, oh, 
Oh, Zeus, we're on top of Mount Olympus right now. Everybody can see us. <laughs> He's like, I got this. Don't you worry about it. I'll circle us. I'll envelop us in a mist. Nobody will see what's going on. He's, I just need to get He's you. got like a version of the clapper that he claps and just clouds. <laughs> just so He's like. <laughs> Little Barry White kicks mm-hmm. on. It's just time to get it on. Um, it, and Zeus is like, of all the ladies that I've cheated on you with, I've never wanted to bang somebody more than you yeah, right now. Kidding, right? You stick around, let's make this Of happen. all the women I've fathered illegitimate children with, <laughs> none of them compared to you. So, of course, Zeus being the mm-hmm. god of gods, gets himself a slice. He, he cuts himself off. There's some cheeks beaten in Mount Olympus. And he... It's good to be the king. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. He kind of starts to fall into his slumber... Takes a little look back, sees what's going on in the war, sees that Poseidon is now pushing the Greeks back up, which if the Greeks are pushing and advancing at that point, Achilles isn't going to be able to get in there and Zeus isn't going to be able to keep his... It's like that last look you take at your phone yeah. before you set on the <laughs> nightstand. He's just like, oh, I just had sex, I'm so sleepy. And he's just like, all right, well, what time is it? What What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, he, he sees it happen. It's the eleven fifty nine look, and he mm-hmm. got a notification saying that uh, Poseidon was ruining stuff. It's like Poseidon has joined the chat. Well, I didn't know that Poseidon and Zeus were brothers, but Zeus was born first. So, so it's because so, he's the the it, god of the skies. Yeah. So it's Zeus. Well, I don't know who was born first, but how it goes. Okay, I'm gonna try to do this in like a minute. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades are all brothers. Their father was Kronos, one of the Titans. Um, he ate all three of them. He would always eat his children. And I'm trying to think there was a situation in which he was getting ready to, you know, he didn't eat them. He was getting ready to eat them. And his wife at the time switched out the kids for rocks. Apparently <laughs> Kronos wasn't good about paying attention. So he ate <laughs> the, the rocks or something thinking they were the kids. And then after the kids grew up, they, Zeus led the other two brothers to, defeat and imprison Kronos and then Zeus I don't think it was necessarily that he was the oldest one I think he was just the one that kind of led them against the Titans he well, was made the it just happened to be the god of the sky and thunder and lightning Zeus uh, Hades got um, forced to rule the underworld and then Poseidon got the sea so Hades okay. kind of got the shaft uh, it said that um, once Zeus turned around and was angry with Poseidon Poseidon had to basically let his older brother take over. So he, he, like, whoa, 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 he had to whoa, whoa, listen whoa, whoa. to it. Yeah. I, I thought you wanted me to do this, dude. He's, yeah. So I, I don't know how they were all born, but it does reference Zeus being the oldest brother, which I, he might've been. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they were trying to get eaten by their parents, it sounds a lot like they were pre L Ron Hubbard, L Ron Hubbard. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the Greek gods are just as crazy. As oh yeah. There's no shortage of Scientology from all of this stuff. No, just nuts. Um, so at that point, Zeus takes back over, (coughs) excuse me, he, he gives the Trojans a push to head back and it gets to the point to where they're pushed back to where they're fighting on the Greek ships and Patroclus sees what's going on, says, Achilles, I need your armor. Achilles gives him his blessing, gives him his armor. Patroclus shows back up. Um, Agamemnon says, all right. You're up. Make it happen. Let's go. And he leads them into battle. He Achilles had told him before he left the boats, go up, push them as far up to the walls as possible. 
don't overtake the fortress because if you overtake the fortress and you take off your helmet and everybody sees that it's you and not me, mm-hmm. I'm going to look like a fool and I'm going to look like a weakling and you're going to be the hero. Gotcha. So like you're my second in command, but I don't want you to outshine me. Yeah. So, um, his troops show up, his army shows up, they start absolutely tearing through the Trojans left and right. Um, Gets to a point to where Patroclus is leading them through, and then Patroclus takes an arrow to the back and slips just in between the armor, just Mm -hmm. right in between, and catches him and takes him down. And he ends up just dying on the battlefield, basically, to where Hector walks up, stands over the top of him, and says, this is it for you, this is it for your army, we're going to take everything else. And the last thing that um, Patroclus says to Hector is Achilles. And as this is happening, Achilles is watching from his ship and sees his half-brother, lover, best mm-hmm. friend die on the field and lets out a battle cry and a scream from his boat that's heard across the entire battlefield that made everybody stop what they were doing. And know no. there. So Hector, being the champion of the Trojans that he was went ahead and stripped Patroclus' armor, which was Achilles' armor, mm-hmm. and strapped it up himself as the ultimate fuck you to the Greeks. I'm wearing your champion's armor. And at this point, we get into where the rage of Achilles just hits its high point, where it, it's just all out. The uh, His Aristia is by far and away the baddest thing that happens. So he goes back to his mom. He tells his mom, I don't have my armor anymore. She goes to the smith god and ends up smithing him a breastplate, a helmet, a sword, and a shield that, by all accounts, everybody that's talked about it said that it was like one of the most specifically ornate writings that they had seen about just the detail Mm -hmm. of every single thing that was on there. Like It was like two paragraphs of just the description of it. And there's certain times in the Just Iliad off material from metal files. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's certain times in the Iliad and it may even be what you talk about too with the Odyssey where Homer has this way of comparing things that are happening in war and in bad times to just the most beautiful things ever, Mm -hmm. like the happy times and the peaceful times. So it's almost like a cut in or a look into a different world of what there would be outside of like peace and happiness. Mm -hmm. But he's using those peace and happiness feelings to describe these things. So like there's times in the wars when Hector would go back and he would see his son and they would talk about Hector holding his son in an embrace and his son freaking out until the helmet comes off and the love that a son feels for mm-hmm. a dad as he snuggles in. And there's all this different stuff where he goes back and forth. Well, that was kind of what they did with this armor. Like, this is the armor to end all armor. Mm-hmm. This is the armor for Achilles. This is going to be the guy, knowing full well Achilles says multiple times that this will be the battlefield that I probably die mm-hmm. on. So... Um, his mom brings him back the armor, Achilles shows up, gets his Aristia, and is running down lines of Trojan soldiers, cutting heads off left and right, just blazing through entire troops, tearing up the battlefield, pushing them almost single-handedly by himself. I'm sure Ajax and everybody else were involved, Odysseus and all that were involved in the pushing back but is just taking everybody out. Just no prisoners, generals, running around the battlefield. He's on his chariot, driving by, cutting heads off Mm -hmm. on his chariot. 
and they get up to the was gates. Was this Aristia? Was it actually cocaine? Uh, it could have been. <laughs> it could have been Greek cocaine. They always talk like, about... Hey, you got any of that, like, you got any more of that Aristia? <laughs> it's kind of a sick name for it. Yeah. Nobody's going to know what you're talking about no. either, so you can talk in code the whole time. You know what it was? It was a little bit of that concoction that they gave to the Germans during the Blitzkrieg. That was their Aristia. <laughs> was the math? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Aristi is anything that gets you hyped, right? Yeah, no kidding. Okay. So it gets to a certain point where there's a separation on the battlefield and Achilles has just wiped every Trojan out that he can get his hands mm-hmm. on. And he calls out Hector. And Hector's like, oh, fuck. Looks down, sees that he's wearing Achilles' armor, hears Achilles calling for him by name. He knows that his end is coming very quickly. He's fought against the other tough guys in the Greek army and didn't have a problem, but now it's champion versus champion, mm-hmm. and this is going to settle the whole thing. So that is where it ends for that day. Um, next day, Hector is in talking with his dad, Priam, and they're trying anything that they can to come up with an idea of how they can bribe their way out of this, how Hector can still be alive. Mm-hmm. And there's just nothing that they're coming up with. They're basically saying over and over, Achilles wants blood. This isn't, we're not getting out of this without Achilles taking Hector and killing him for killing uh, Patroclus, his his boy. Or for his, the perceived, the perceived killing of him. Because he, he took a yeah, down in the back. Technically, he didn't kill yeah. him. But from what Achilles saw, it he saw like the he stripping of the armor. He had done it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So... It's decided the only way they're getting out of this is Hector goes out and meets him. Those are the only two that are on the battlefield that day. Hector walks out of the walls, and they say, if you can, if you're in trouble, try to get back to the walls, and we'll get you inside the fortress. Mm -hmm. And Hector makes a mistake of walking too far away from the fortress to meet Achilles down there. They have a back and forth. There's some shit talk going on. Achilles is basically like, this is the day that you meet your maker. Um, Do you think in reality it was like... Achilles talking, and then Hector was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And then Achilles was like, I don't understand what you're saying. And so they're just trying to point at each other and being like, you, dead. Like, drawing the thumb across the neck, and he's like, no, you're dead. I think at this point, Hector was just like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't pointing at do the arm. this. He has the armor, he just sets it down, he's like, I did not mean to do this. Didn't know it was yours. Mm-hmm. No names. We didn't. I didn't see Achilles on this. <laughs> he's like looking on the inside of it. He's like, your name? I don't know. It's nowhere <laughs> there. <laughs> so they finally engage, and it's just kind of a... It doesn't matter at this point. Hector could get his Aristia. He could get whatever he felt was necessary, and it was just going to be an ass-kicking to the point where Hector looks back realizes that there's no way that he's going to get to the gates to be mm-hmm. able to be protected and just basically has to take it, begs and pleads for his life. And finally, the last death blow is Achilles knowing his armor so well that he knows where the weak spots mm-hmm. are and gets his sword in and jabs it straight in between the shoulder plate and the breastplate and kills Hector. Mm-hmm. And then not only proceeds to kill Hector, but stabs two holes through his legs, draws a leather strap through them, attaches them to the back of his chariot, and does circles around the fortress. Just spinning donuts with the dead body. Dragging his ass around there. Ends up... It's a, it's a power move. Yeah, oh yeah. 
takes him back to the um to the Greek camps and at that point they've already gotten Patroclus's body ready for um disposal Burning and they, yeah they're going to burn him and <coughs> they have what are called the again this it's just so weird and it has to be like the fact that they do this to a play because they do something called the um, Patroclus Funeral Games, mm-hmm. which is they have like races and they wrestle. And this mm-hmm. is, excuse me, where I was talking earlier about one of the prizes being Achilles giving somebody an ingot of iron. Mm-hmm. That was what you would get if you won the foot race to see who was the fastest. So mm-hmm. all these guys that are still in the middle of war are like beating each other up and running and doing all this kind of different stuff to wear themselves out. Just completely weird to throw in there. Yeah. But um, they're just absolutely mutilating Hector down there. They're cutting him up. They're burning his body. They're doing everything that they can to desecrate him. He's still got him hooked up to the chariot. Mm-hmm. He's still driving him around just for funsies out on the battlefield. And finally, um, Perium decides that they have to take a load of treasure down. I mean Priam. Per- yeah, Priam has to take a load of treasure down to Achilles and make the switch because he needs his son back. Every other one of his sons has embarrassed him. He talks about mm-hmm. how he doesn't have any sons anymore. He tells his living sons that he does not have any sons anymore. All in Paris's face, who is still Helen's husband. Helen at this point is distraught to the point where she's crying and saying, I'm what caused Hector to die. I'm the reason you don't have any like, sons. Uh, no shit. Yeah. Uh, she's so sad about it. She said multiple times, it should have been me. It shouldn't have been him that died. I should have been the one that ended this you by killing you, myself. Honey, you had nine years. Yeah. To yeah. Walk, she, she did have a lot of time. Boats. <laughs> walk your ass over to the Greek boats and go home. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. She if only I could have done something. Yeah. Paris was the one that told her she could and couldn't, I'm sure. So, um, Priam gets down at night. He's protected by one of the gods that comes down and says, your son's okay. We casted a safety net over the top of him. So he will look just fine. No matter what they've done or desecrated him, he'll still, you'll still be able to recognize Mm -hmm. him and know that that's your son. Um, protects him the whole way down. They get to Achilles tent. He sneaks into his tent, starts begging for forgiveness. And, tells Achilles that if the situation was reversed, he would like to know that Achilles' father would have been able to receive his son after his death. And this is the first time where Achilles like realizes that what he did that day was just beyond anything to the point to where he knew that there was humility that had to come into effect to realize like what he did to Hector yeah. and all the bad shit that happened. So Achilles makes him a bed up that night says, please stay here and rest. Um, I'll get you out. You'll be safe. We'll load Hector up into your cart and get you to go back. And he even looks down at him and he goes, how many days do you need for your son's funeral? And Priam says 12. And he goes, okay, I can promise you as my word, we will not attack for 12 days. So next night comes darkness falls. The God protection comes back for Priam. He wheels his son's body up. They get the funeral and everything ready. Um, on the 12th day, they are building like his tomb that they're going to put the bones mm-hmm. in and then immediately go right back to war 
and or go right back to prepping because they don't know if it's like 12th day as soon mm. as it hits dark, 12th day as soon yep. as it hits light, whatever. And it ends with the Greek army getting strapped back up to go attack on that 13th day of the day after. So very hard-hitting stuff, very just kind of fun to see. It, it feels like it's almost like a, a human-alien thing when you factor in the gods and how it all is. Yeah. And, it almost makes you realize like things that happen on this planet now you see them sometimes and you wonder why the hell they happened. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you wonder a little bit like is somebody up there controlling the chips? Is this like a fun game for somebody to watch? Yeah. Are are we the reality show for someone else? Yeah. And in this case, reading this, reading the Iliad, that's really what it was. It was almost like it was just a way for the gods to humor themselves. Yeah, and I mean the big thing too with you know, both this, you know, the Iliad and the Odyssey and other, you know, any, I think these are probably a little bit more of the exception, but, you know, people that lived in this area and lived in Greece and they could read this and fully 100% believe that it happened. It was factual because they have nothing to contradict it. They have no scope of what's possible or what's not possible. Um, All right. I got to pee. Okay. And then we can hit the Odyssey. Yeah. All right. Yep. P and Odyssey. All right. Odyssey time. And no, not the minivan. Okay. So my. <laughs> that was bad. I know. <laughs> my initial um, thought on the Odyssey when I like first maybe got into like the first 10 minutes, I was like, how has this not like been a movie? They, Wasn't it Harrison Ford? No, I looked. <laughs> no. He was alive back when the Odyssey was probably written. Why? Why? What do you have against Harrison Ford? He's old and he needs to give up the indie title. That okay, I do agree with we that. We don't need an Indiana Jones that's going to break a hip. And you know how many planes that guy's crashed? There's been several occasions. <laughs> anyway, so Asshole. with the Odyssey, I thought like I was like, how is this not a movie? And then about 15 minutes into it, I was like, oh, it's total horseshit. So. Again, it's Homer's Homer stab at the uh, the everyman story. I think it was is what it is. I feel like I'm going to read this, and you stop me if I get to just like this is fucking ridiculous. Uh, I just spent an entire week reading about how gods were playing chess with people. You think I'm going to go with ridiculous? I know, but yours seems to be based on what I actually feel like is probably a, a historical event, like you know the Trojan War. Could be. At least, okay, to some degree. But I feel like the stuff that he did in the Odyssey, he was just like, he did the Iliad and he's like, oh. He's like, the history stuff isn't like, the trying to be accurate isn't fun. He's like, the fantastical shit is fun. So he's like, I'm just going to go and do this. Have you, did you ever dip your foot into the Epic of Gilgamesh? No, I didn't. You ever read that? Mm. That's what it almost feels like, because it was more of like a, kind of a story with different, like stories within stories kind of adventures. I feel like Homer, when he was writing the Odyssey, he just tried to use previously established characters and places that people would be familiar with, and then he just went off the rails with shit. Oh, because like some of the guys that I talked about pop up in this. Like, didn't mm-hmm. you say it's Odysseus's? It, it's he's the main character. He's the journeyman at this point. Yeah, does Ajax show up? No, God. it's it's literally just Odysseus, and he's the only character that they even really. There's a couple more they name by name within his crew, but it's like Odysseus and his crew. Huh. So after the Trojan horse 
So basically, it comes to a standstill when the Greeks decide... Odysseus comes to them with a plan. He's like one of the... So you have um, Agamemnon, who's like King Dick. Yep. Then you have like his his lieutenants. And Odysseus, uh, Ajax... I think Achilles was technically one of them, maybe. But he was like... They were the people that were like the warlords in charge of their territories. Does Achilles show up in this story at all? No. Because he's dead at this point. No, I know. Because he... Paris... Spoiler for something you're not going to read. Um, the arrow that's fired that hits Achilles mm-hmm. in his heel and kills him, mm-hmm. fired by Paris the pussy from the Iliad. That's in the movie, actually, too. What movie? Oh, Troy? Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. I know. Didn't but, happen then. but then they actually explain it that what really happened is it, they Achilles got shot by a bunch of arrows, but he was like pulling them out like a badass. Mm-hmm. And then as he was falling to die... Paris came around the corner, shot him, it went through his heel, and then he had died from the other wounds. But when they found Achilles' body... The only arrow he had in him was... was that oh, okay. One. So that's why the Achilles' heel. Huh. The legendary part of Achilles, the reason the heel was a weakness, was because when his mother was dipping him in the river Styx, the river that goes through the underworld, it grants you, it like, Achilles, like, invulnerability or whatever. Superpowers, basically. You have to be tethered to the world by something, though. So she grabbed him as a baby on the heel huh. and dunked him into the river sticks like that. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of this shit is cool. This was just a little bit. It was too much. The Odyssey <laughs> was too much at once. Okay. Well, so, I'm excited. I like too much. <laughs> so Odysseus comes up with the idea of the Trojan horse. And because Troy was famous for their horses, they his rationale is we're going to go ahead and build this giant wooden horse. We're going to hide myself and, like, an elite group of men inside. You guys are all going to leave. Like, pack up the camp, take all the ships, get out of, like, over the horizon or someplace where they're not going to be able to see you. They're going to show up, see this, see we've left, assume we've given up, and they're going to think that this is, like, an offering to their gods. Which is exactly what happened. Troy or Troy was like, oh, they left us an offering to our gods because we won. So they take the horse and they wheel the shit into the city. And that night, they come out of, like, the hidden compartment, and the Greece, or, um, Greek soldiers, during the night, the ships had come back in to unload men on the shore, and the Greek, uh, the Greek soldiers that were in the city, they opened the gates, allowed them to come in, they sacked the city, and they destroyed it. So that's how the Trojan War ends. Huh. Yeah. I had it, never heard that whole... Like, I know what the Trojan horse is. I didn't know that was how they... Yeah. I thought it was they, like, sprung so out and got the jump on them. But so it that's was... What they they that's, opened the gate for them? That's why they call it the Trojan horse, because it's something that you welcome in yourself yeah. without knowing the danger to it. But that's what I thought, like, them jumping out and getting, like, an attack on them. They waited till everyone was asleep, and then they went and opened the gates for the whole... Oh, it wasn't shit. just those guys that won the war. They had to open the gates and let all the soldiers inside. Crazy. Okay. So, it was ten years that he was gone from home from Ithaca... For the Trojan War. So he ends up um, leaving with everyone else. They want to say it takes like, I'm trying to remember the time frame that they thought it might have taken to get across the Aegean back home. Because apparently it wasn't quick. It was it was more than a few weeks. It was something ridiculous. It might have been like the people that left, like got back home within a year or something like that. 
Going across Utah with a sail and maybe some oars is going to take you a while. No kidding. So he leaves with 12 ships. So after sailing for home, instead he actually decides to go and raid a Trojan ally that was a little bit like if you came off the coast of Turkey and went north. So this whole thing is going to... You remember how I mentioned the whole Ernest thing? I feel like Odysseus... Oh, Ernest goes... Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. So Jim Varney. Yeah, sorry. So when I was watching these documentaries, the people that are speaking about it, I feel like they get confused and they're like merging Odysseus, the real person, the the historical figure, mm-hmm. into the character. And they're trying to like describe him in both ways. They're like, and you'll see Odysseus's cleverness when he defeated, you know, this sea monster. And you're like... What do you re- like? You're talking about a, f- a fictional character within this. Like he's not a real person. Do you think that might lend back to the whole idea that Homer's writings were like plays that people had already seen? So there's already prior knowledge. Like that could have been maybe because like a, a, a part of a play that they had seen. Imagine like a playwright or not a playwright, but a historian. Can, eh, I can't even talk right now. A historian wrote down some facts about um, Odysseus. Mm-hmm. and its contribution to the Trojan War. And then the next person takes a look at that and kind of pumps it up a little bit. And then before long, you get this, where he's going to be a mortal man, but he's insanely smart. His decision-making is fucking awful. The, all they talk about is how fucking clever he is. Because he wasn't, like, super physically strong, he was very mentally gifted. But all he does is gets pe- himself out of the shitty situations that he gets himself into. He just gets back to even. Yes. <laughs> But they never say, like, oh, it was his poor planning. They were like, and then he had to get him out of it again. Okay, I'm going to get to it so you can see the examples. So he goes to raid this village. They raid the city, steal the treasure. Wait a second. Is that what you meant by Ernest? Ernest did never get himself into those situations. No, I just meant, like, it was almost like a buffoonery type Okay. He seems like a buffoon. Mr. Bean. Doesn't Ernest didn't rob the bank to go to jail. Okay, I understand that. Sorry. No disrespect to Ernest. I, I love this movie. Maybe is it more of a Mr. Bean situation then? Yeah, maybe a Mr. Magoo. Okay, he gets himself into the yeah, situation. Okay. He has to get himself yeah, out of. Yeah. I just I wanted to clear Ernest okay. name on that. Okay. So they raid the city, steal the treasure, and then they go get drunk on the beach. Like before getting on their ships and everything, they just they're like, "Hey, we." Got, and I'm not sure how far they went to the city to get the treasure. They just get hammered on the beach. They all pass out. Well, then the locals track him down, attack them, and kill 72 of his men. And they're, like, running back for the ships as these locals attack them. Like, so, you can't even get on your boats before yeah. you get, like... And what's the worst thing that happens if you get on your boat and you get drunk? You just float. Yeah. And you don't get killed by the people that you literally <laughs> just raided their city and robbed. So that's, that's Exhibit A. Likes to party. So they're at sea for two weeks until they hit a hurricane. The hurricane carries them from the Aegean to North Africa. So it's a pretty, you have to go out around Greece. Yep. It's more like almost straight away. It almost looked like, and I'm not even kidding, it looks like the island they were talking about was the one, um, what, Phaistos or in Alexandria? Pharos. Where the lighthouse was? Yes. Yeah. It kind of, the diagram kind of looked like that. So it carries episode, uh, seven, six six or seven? Seven, something. So it carries them all the way to North Africa. They wash up to an island where the natives are friendly. They're offering them food, and all their food is made from, like, a flower. So these, this is actually, like, the island of the lotus eaters. So the lotus flowers, so basically what the lotus flowers in 
Greek mythology, they would um, create a drug that just basically made you feel euphoric and forgetful. So basically you were stoned. Like that, yeah. Yes. You you just, you're forgetful, but you just feel amazing. So basically, his men don't want to leave. It's keeping them, yeah, it's keeping them there. It's keeping them complacent and they're happy. And so, of course, Odysseus is the only one that stays sober, realizes what's going on. He's like, no, we got to get out of here. Go, go. The guy that got drunk on the beach and beat up was the only one that stayed sober. I don't know if Odysseus, he may have not got drunk on the beach, but. He knew that it was happening. Yeah. He, he was the captain. Yes. So he ends up getting his men to, you know, kind of snap out of it um, and get back get back to the ships. So after they go from the Lotus Eaters, they come to an island. has a bunch of, like, wild game on it. So they pull into the island, and he's um, taking a group of his men with him. I think he takes 12 men to explore the island with him. And... They come upon like a cave, and the cave is just full of food. And so, of course, they just start, you know, gorging themselves and eating and feasting and everything. They don't go back to the other guys at the ship, and they're like, oh, hey, by the way, guys, we found a bunch of food. They're just like, let's get our turn first, and then we'll head back and let them know where the, you know, if there's anything left over. I didn't think like this was gathered by somebody and they were eating somebody else's stock. Oh, no. I think Odysseus knew that. And this is kind of a point that, uh, ridiculous Greek tradition apparently or some type of like point of Greek culture is you were supposed to greet a stranger to your house with a gift and a place to stay. That's the exact opposite of what you think you should do. So if a stranger came up to your house because they had traveled from another land and were a stranger to you or something like that, you were supposed to be able to provide them like a, Oh, welcome to our home. Here's a house. Here's a gift. That's how you get murdered. I know. And, oh, by the way, do you need a place to... It was like good Greek manners to do that. So Odysseus is thinking to himself, like, I know this belongs to somebody, but when this person <laughs> comes home, we're strangers. I want my gift. This this is actually in the book. He's like, I want my gift. The hell the thought process. Yes. So it ends up being the cave of a fucking Cyclops. Oh, that's... Like a giant Cyclops. Yeah, you probably... No. Of all the, the cave dwellers, the giant Cyclops is probably the worst. So they, Cyclops ends up getting home, and he's like, Odysseus is like, where's my gift? <laughs> After he gets home, the Cyclops. So the Cyclops eats two of his dudes. And the the documentary I was watching, for some reason, I don't know if someone that was editing this just got boners for fucking weird images, but there was so much disgusting imagery of like a mouth tearing it like raw meat and blood and stuff. Like anytime they would mention, they're like, and then he ate two of his men. And it would go into like a 10 second clip of like this weird mouth and like these different like cut what? scenes of a mouth like eating and pulling it. Like it was disgusting. It was unnecessary. Was this a pay site? <laughs> no, it oh. was on YouTube. Okay. And it was on his, right. and it was from History Channel. That's really weird. Someone, someone in the editing bay was like, are you sure that's not like gross? And he's like, no, I like it. You got a meat king, <laughs> Yeah, bro. no shit. So he eats two of his dudes. Now, they can't just like wait for the Cyclops to fall asleep and then kill him because, of course, the door is a giant rock that he rolls into place, a la Jesus in the tomb. Too heavy to move. 
Okay, so, so it wasn't th- open when they got into it. It was. But, it was. Or, he, he okay, left so it, open. it was open yeah, when they so got when into the it. So when the Cyclops comes home, though, it. he closes it. So they can't. It's so big they can't move it. <laughs> so Sunrise, Cyclops gets up, has two of his dudes for breakfast. So now he's down to fuck? himself and eight dudes. Uh, Cyclops goes, opens the door. All of the sheep that he brings in at night that live on the island, uh-huh. they all come in. They all get to go out and graze. And he goes and he takes care of them. Barn cave. Yeah, and since he's got prisoners, now he seals the door behind him. So actually, and this is a weird thing about um, how we talked about the nympho thing. Yeah. So there was an there's an actual disease, and it fucking talked about it, an image and showed an image for too long on the screen. It's called cyclopia. And it's an actual deformity. Oh, no. And it's where... I, I might get this a little bit wrong. I'm going to try to... I, I had to kind of turn away. Like, I'm weird about images like that. Yeah. Like, I can no, look at yeah, some yeah, stuff, yeah. but I can't look at other stuff. It's where, like, part of the the ocular system merges together, and it creates... The... And then the brain doesn't develop, but it gives you a, the image of a single eye. But it almost isn't even an eye. It's like... It almost looks like it was a see-through, just like a red socket for an eye. Like, kids don't, like, I think they're born, like, it, they die within, like, minutes from being born if they have this. Because they're not fully developed or something yeah, like that. Okay. They can't survive yeah, outside. Yeah. But they showed, like, an image, and they had it on screen for, like, 10 seconds. And then it started doing the zoom-in thing on it. I was like, don't. Why are you doing that's this? too much. So, anyway, that's where they think the myth of the Cyclops come from. Because if people were so mortified or terrified by that, what would be scarier than that? A giant one that was alive. True. So what they do is um, Odysseus and his men, they find one of the Cyclops clubs and they sharpen the end of it. Cyclops comes back for the evening. Again, two more. Seems to be a standard fare. Grabs two more dudes and eats them. So now I think he's down to, he went from 12 to 10, 10 to six 8. Guys. He's down to six guys in him. So Odysseus, before he left the ship with the 12 guys, they say that he made a very wise move. He turns back to the ship and he goes, throw me a goat skin full of wine. I don't know if him and the guy, him and the boys were going to party party yeah. or anything. He's like, I got my 12 dudes that know how to keep their mouth shut. We're going to party. Um, so after he eats these two guys, Odysseus offers him the wine. And so the Cyclops drinks like three bowls. And then he ate two human men. How big is this thing of wine? It's a goat skin. So I don't, it, the size of an entire goat. Okay. But I don't really think it's that size. I think it's made of goat skin, but... What the, what they said about wine too is there was stuff called like fortified wine, and mm-hmm. it was basically like wine concentrate. So like if a bottle of wine would be like what's standard for a bottle of wine like seventeen eighteen percent alcohol probably yeah probably twelve to eighteen okay so fortified wine would be like almost like a malt liquor of wine where it'd be like sixty percent and then you can you add would, water to you it would to add, stretch that's it. what you would do okay that's why they would carry it on ships because huh. a little bit could go a long ways that makes a lot of sense so. The giant drinks three bowls. Again, the imagery of this goddamn documentary of showing this disgusting mouth and this b- wine bowl and like it's spilling down the sides of the mouth and it being like slopping like. It's just fucking unnecessary. So anyway, the Cyclops gets hammered off this wine. He is, he's drunk and he's stumbling around. Um, the Cyclops asks for this is his name and he says, my name's nobody. Again, hearkening back to how fucking clever Odysseus Tricky, is. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Again, he lets his men another bad decision. He's just like, oh, this is somebody's food. I'll just wait to ask for my gift. And this cave has to be a sizable cave because the Cyclops is a big man. The simple fact that the 
any of the cups, cutlery, serving sizes, anything would have been fucking giant size. Should have been an indicator. It's the Jack and the Beanstalk scenario. Or the the club, like, oh my god, look at this giant wooden club. You'd have to be insanely strong to reach, like, come Ugh. on. So Cyclops passes out, and they position the club above him and just stab him right in the fucking eye. The door's still closed. I know. Just listen. So <clears throat> the other Cyclops, because apparently he's not the only Cyclops <laughs> on the island, hear him screaming and yelling, and like he's you know he's just got stabbed in the eye. Club and the they're eye. like, "Hey!" And like, "Hey, buddy, is any everything all right in there?" He's like, "Nobody's hurting me. Nobody stabbed me." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Oh, oh no okay yeah holy shit i it got me yeah but it's like what kind of humor would you call that that's like a, that's dad joke humor yeah dad joke slapstick like it's, dad i'm hungry hi hungry i'm dad it's the the who's on first mm-hmm. it's abbott and costello that's what it is abbott and costello humor. yes those guys <clears> ripped <throat> this off probably that's the who's on first bit yeah exactly <clears throat> so to get out he opens the door so he's sitting there by the door. He can't see anything. So Odysseus, he has his men strap themselves to the sheep's stomach that are in there. And as they pass, the giant is reaching down and filling the sheep to make sure none of the men are getting out. So he's just filling the back of sheep. Uh-huh. So he gets the, all of his men out that way. Just drops them to the bottom of sheep and they all get out. What so, the shit did you read? I know. No, it gets crazier from there. This is like mild. It's going to keep getting... Oh yeah, it's going to keep getting no a little way. crazier. Okay, so as they're sailing away, Odysseus can't help himself. Like the giant standing on the cliff, like screaming, and he's like, "Hey!" And the giant, like you know, can't look at him, but he gets the giant's attention. He's like, "Guess what? My name's Odysseus." <laughs> <laughs> so he forgets that Cyclops are actually the sons of Poseidon. So Greek mythology, Poseidon, yeah. Poseidon has like how they create cyclopses. I think Poseidon has to have like sex with a sea creature. I'm not sure what kind makes a cyclops, but it ends up, you know, he ends up creating cyclops. So the cyclops is pissed, asks Poseidon to kill him. And, um, Poseidon's like, Hey, I'll see what I can do. So during this time, the entire time that, um, Odysseus is gone, he, Mm -hmm. he's the king of Ithaca. Okay. Okay. So that's why he was like in command. He was the king of this, one of these nations or whatever you would call. Well, you know, he was higher up below Agamemnon. Yeah. But he was, he was, a, you know, a lieutenant or a ruler within that kingdom. So his wife, Penelope, um, this whole time that he's been gone, apparently in this story, she's had all these suitors like squatting at like the royal palace being like, Odysseus is like gone. Oh yeah. Like he's gone. Yeah, like yeah, you need yeah. to pick okay. one of us I to hook this. up with. Yeah. And so she is like, no, he's not gone. I'm waiting. I'm not doing any of this. So part of this book just keeps going back and forth to this situation. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you how long he's also gone on the Odyssey. Another 10 years. So 20 years. 20 years. And I think the suitors thing really comes in after people start getting back from the Trojan War. I think she had some there hanging out, but then it ramps up because then they're like, oh, he's not back when everybody else is back. He's gone. He's dead. So she is basically holding off. I'm not even kidding. It says there's like close to like a hundred of these dudes squatting in the Royal Palace, just like getting drunk and partying all day and being like, one of us is going to bang this chick and then be the king of Ithaca. 
at no point no one's like she doesn't have like a royal house guard or like men that can be like she's like can you get these guys the fuck out of my house yeah i don't want to spoil but uh you got the quilt in there oh uh it's not the quilt it's the burial shroud burial shroud that's yes right. i do have that okay. in here all right no spoilers then okay so the um next uh island up is king yolis and he actually coincidentally has control over the winds so he's like, of course hey. he does. Yeah, he's like, hey, Odysseus, come here. He's like, see this bag? He's like, I got all the winds in here. He's like, the only one I'm letting out is the wind that's going to blow you directly home. He's like, keep all the other, he's like, don't open it. All the other winds are in here. Very simple instructions. So Odysseus stays awake for nine days. While this wind is literally blowing him the exact direction of home. Day 10, one mile from Ithaca. He just can't keep his eyes open any longer. He He's a mile away from home. So he's been able to see it for a while as yeah. well. Yep. He closes his eyes. And as soon as he does, his men are like, the fuck's in this bag? <laughs> he's been guarding this bag for nine <laughs> days. So they open this bag and the winds just go crazy. They literally take his ship all the way back to the wind dude's island. You think the wind dude just played a prank on him and no, no, no. So what happened was what happens, what, what happens is apparently like Poseidon, I don't know if he spoke to Zeus and, um, put some pressure on this wind dude. And so when they got back, Odysseus is like, Hey, um, any chance you can help us out on that wind thing again? (laughs) I promise I'll make sure my men, don't open this. Stay awake yeah, this time. Yeah, I'll stay awake. I'll stay awake the full 10 days this time. And he's like, uh, no can do, dude. He's like, uh, orders from the boss man from corporate. We're not allowed to help you with this anymore. So he has to sail just like normal. So he ends up sailing um, and tries to like kind of dock. He sees like this mysterious harbor. Mm-hmm. And so he starts kind of steering some of his ships into it. And he's attacked by these giant fucking cannibals. Like, giant cannibals enough to where they jump, like, off the cliffs, and they're, like, chest deep in, like, the ocean. And they're snatching dudes off boats, eating them. Hundreds die. All but one of his ships is destroyed. So 11 ships are destroyed. All because he ran into an island of cannibals he tried to dock at? Yeah, just got too close. Again, this is Odysseus. This is classic Odysseus (laughs) up to this point. Just horrible, horrible judgment. But through all of this, he's he's able to go ahead and survive and, oh, yeah. and get him and what's left of his men out. So then he's like, okay, we're gonna go a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of ways down the coast. Because again, a lot remember in a lot of this, the seafaring. I think we've kind of talked about this before when we were doing Alexandria. But the seafaring, you'd be sticking to the coast as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah just true. because you know, and Circle and their around. ships, yeah, their ships weren't ocean. You know, they were ocean-going ships, but they weren't, you know, great sailboats. They wanted to stay within sight of land in case something happened. So he sends a scouting party after they get down the coast a little bit to a better spot. He sends a scouting party, and they find a palace that's guarded by wolves and lions. On the Cannibal Island? No, no, no. So the Cannibal, it wasn't even an island. It was, like, just part of, like, a section of the coast. Okay, yeah, yeah, so they're following the There coast. are, and yeah, so, because if you look at, like, ha, did you look at, like, a map of the Aegean uh-huh. or that area? 
it's just a ton of tiny islands. Yeah. Like Mykonos and like all those like places, like Ithaca is one of them. Or I think it's like they pronounce it like Ithaca or something like that now. This so America. Yeah. So he finds another place, palace guarded by wolves and lions. To me, I'd be like, probably not the best place to go no. into. There's wolves and lions. Yeah, that's that's an easy choice. So of course they go in Makes and sense. it's um this area is run by Circe, the sorceress, and her maids, and they're all hot. So she goes out to these guys, this search party. Odysseus is not with the search party, by the way. So these guys are on their own. So they might stand a fighting chance because the dipshit keeps getting them in trouble. You would think that, and then Cersei invites him in for basically a buffet and an orgy. So at that point... These guys are stuck out at sea. They didn't have a choice. No. They were just at war for 10 years. I know. So as they're like... So she invites them in and is basically like, food and sex, have at it. And as they do... You know, again, they've been at war for like... 13 years at this point, or yeah. like away from home. That is settled for a roast beef sandwich and a slow blow. Yes. So she starts, you know, as they start to give into like their appetites and become like slobs about it and everything, she starts turning them into pigs. That's entrapment. Yeah. You're just like, hey, I know you haven't eaten in a week, but here's a, here's a baked potato and some steak. That's and then when you eat it all, pool. you're like, oh no, you ate it all? Dirty pool. I don't blame one of those guys. No, it's entrapment. So one dude actually makes it out. He runs back. He tells Odysseus. Odysseus is like, I got to take a look at this orgy (laughs) buffet for myself. (laughs) So, of course, he goes to investigate. And on the way, he just happens to meet Hermes, who's the messenger of the gods. Mm -hmm. And Hermes is... uh, Gives him, like, this drug or this root that makes him immune to uh, Cersei's, like, sorceress, um, like, seduction powers. So is this... The gods playing a factor in, do you think? I think so. A little bit. I don't know who's on his side at this point, though. Oh, it might have been... I want to say it might have been Aphrodite. Because she was trying to get him back to Penelope or some shit like that. Oh. It might have been something completely different. I don't know. I know that Poseidon is pissed off at him. And I know at some point Zeus is going to get pissed off at him. So I don't think he has many friends. So he ends up showing up. She tries to charm him. It doesn't work. She wants to bang at that point. She's like, oh, this ain't working. You must be different. Now I really want to bang you. And he's like, hey, not so fast. Quit turning my guys into pigs. And she's like, fine. Let me at that dick. Good on him. Yes. For his men. He's got rules. He goes into the inner sanctum with her and he does not come out for a year. A year? Yes. He goes basically into her sex dungeon, sex room, and does not come out for a year. Huh. Well. And after a year, he's done. He's like, I miss my wife. So I need to leave. (laughs) I need to leave this island. I'm so empty right now. (laughs) He's like, there was something I was supposed to do. Where was I trying to get? He's like, oh, shit. He goes walking out of the sex dungeon and all of his guys, were they turned back from pigs or were they still? No, he got him turned back from pigs. Okay. He probably came out and he's like, he's like, you guys can thank me later. He's like, ah, Tuesday? Like, bro, it's Friday. He's like, oh, wow. He's uh, like, ne- the, the following year. 775? You don't Dude, say. Dude, it's 774. <laughs> 
Oh, man. Where were we going? Home! We're trying to get home. You know how long we had to sit outside this door and listen to what you were doing in there? So he convinces Cersei, he's like, hey, I gotta leave. And at that point, she's probably like, all right, you know, whatever. Um, So she's like, because Poseidon is still having it out for you, you got to travel to the underworld to speak with the dead prophet, um, Tiresias. And he's like, of course I do. Why wouldn't I have to do something like that? And, you know, it doesn't sound very hard the way they talk about getting in and out of the underworld, but apparently Odysseus is the only man to have ever done it, the only mortal to have ever done it, and so that's a big deal. Um, Does so it say how? It like, didn't get into that much. Were they playing it the made choking it sound very, game in the it, sex it, dungeon? And no, it made it sound like he just like, he's like, okay, I guess I'm going to Hades. Snapped his finger and was Something there. Something like that. Huh. And apparently the underworld in Greek mythology, it wasn't how uh, modern Christianity has kind of described it, where it's like all hellfire and brimstone and hot. Yeah. So in Greek mythology, it was kind of just like cold and misty. It was always like shrouded in a mist and you could never really see anything, but it was kind of just cold. It was like an just, ice cave. Yeah, kinda. like uncomfortable. And honestly... If I'm having my choice between the two, I hate being cold. I'd rather be too hot any day of the week. Oh, buddy. I'd take the ice cave 10 no, times out of 10. No, no. I don't. I, I'd rather take the heat. I'm miserable when I'm cold, man. So I'm not sure how he ends up meeting Teresius, but he gets inside the gates of Hades, and then it makes it sound like Teresius is just, just hangs out at the gates. He's like, hey, fancy seeing you here. So basically what he tells him in order to get home, his big piece of advice is he's like, hey, Helios has an island. Helios is the sun god. He's like, he's got an island and he's got a bunch of cows. He's like, don't fucking eat the cows. <laughs> he's like, whatever you do, that's my advice for you. Don't eat the cows. He's like, got it. Don't eat Helios's cows. So he escapes the underworld and he sets sail for home. So he's got his one ship. So to get home, <clears throat> he's got to pass all of these other challenges. So he's got to pass the Island of the Sirens. And basically, the Island of the Sirens, they were... I want to say that it always shows him in three. So they were three kind of like um, human-looking sea creatures. I don't... I can't remember if they had bottoms that were fish, if they were like kind of mermaids too. Mm-hmm. But they would sing. And if you could hear them singing at all, basically, it would draw you into them. There was no resisting it. Your ship would crash and break apart on the rocks. You would die. I don't know if they ate you or did something. But it was their job to bring you in and they crash just your took ships and pleasure kill you. into watching you crash your boat. It's yes, it's a standard Greek, you know, villain or whatnot. Um, so basically, to get through that, what Odysseus wants to do is he's like, "Hey, you guys all put wax in your ears so you can't hear them. I'm going to strap my ass to the mast to the ship so I can hear them, but I can't go anywhere." So that's Why another didn't one. He of just his, wax his own ears. He wanted to no. He wanted to be the man that had heard the sirens but lived because no one had ever heard the siren song because everyone got pulled yeah. in and died. So he oh, wanted to be this guy. Desire. So they end up making it past and then it cuts to like a, like a cuts, like a scene of like actors and everything like that. And they're all slapping Odysseus on the back. Like, Hey, good job. <laughs> like you did it. Like you had a choice cause you weren't strapped to it. Congratulations. Yeah. So it's like Jack Black in uh well, Tropic Thunder. Yeah. He was just strapped there, and he's telling them that he's gonna. <laughs> well, and after all, like a couple of these things, they always like go back to see what Homer's like um, inspiration within the real world would have been for this. So, in the area where they believe, like it's always been described that the sirens resided, 
this area is actually, it has this weird island off of the coast, pretty close. And the island is kind of shaped like a crescent moon. And it's kind of like tall and skinny. And apparently it's like almost like a natural like amplifier for acoustics. Like if you make noise within this, it launches it farther off the coast and you can hear it long. So the sirens had a little backup acoustically. But it wasn't, but what they were saying is what was the sound? It wasn't, you know, sea creatures or anything like that. Oh, in real life? Yeah, they found that there were these um, seals that used to live there. And the seals barking and making noises and everything like that was probably the noise that sailors would hear out because they couldn't understand it and it sounded like gibberish and just noises, but they could hear it far out to sea. Okay. So they think that's what probably might have been the... Kind of cool. Kind of the the story behind the the myth. Hopefully not. One of those horny guys didn't get to one of those seals. (laughs) No kidding, right? So, and then again, it shoots over back to Ithaca. So every night, Penelope, what she's doing is she makes a deal with all these horny suitor dudes. And she's like, fine. She's like, I'll pick one of you after I'm done creating a burial shroud to Odysseus' father. So I'm not sure how that, like, they made it a point to say that. So Mm. I'm guessing that's not incorrect. But I'm like, why would you make it for the father and not your suspected dead husband? So anyway, so all day she died in the waiting or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe. So as she is working on it during the day and all the suitors can see her. At night, she just undoes whatever she does during the day. And she carries on like this for years. And at no point is one of these dudes like, hey, like, you've been in this spot for a long time. What's going on? They're just like, okay, whenever you get done with it, I guess. I imagine if she was Odysseus's old lady, though, she was probably. Yeah, but come on, this is not clever. None of these people were. She could be like, I'm making a... Well, I understand These guys that, got turned into pigs. That's true. So, the next on... After he ends up going through the sirens, the next stop, or the next, I guess, obstacle in his way, is uh, Scylla and Charybdis. So, the Scylla, there's this strait, and I want to say it's between, like, Greece and another island. It's this really small strait where two um, seas in the Mediterranean meet, and so Scylla in Greek mythology is basically like a water hydra. So isn't, I'm trying, no, not a hydra. Yeah, that's the one where you cut off its head and it grows the yes. two more. Okay, yep. so it's a water hydra. I don't think, I don't know about cutting off heads and growing more, but it's got like three heads. Okay. And it's on one side of like the strait. So one side of the coast. And it kind of juts out. Yeah. And then on the other side is uh, the Charybdis. And the Charybdis is a whirlpool. It's a bad straight to I go know. through. So the decision is basically like, okay, well, how many people can one kill and how many people can the other one kill? Well, if you go into a fucking whirlpool, it's going to destroy your dead. ship and you're all dead. Yeah. So, of course, you make the decision to sail next to the monster and it's going to snatch. I think they said it's like it can snatch six because it's got three hands and three mouths. So it'll snatch it like most six. So the people in this documentary were like, and so Odysseus, through his wisdom is able to analyze the situation and determine, hey, I could lose six of my guys or I could lose all my guys. <laughs> and I'm watching this, I'm like, choice. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, anyone I feel can make, that's not a yeah. sign of intelligence. That's being like, hold out your hands. Okay. Turn over your hand completely or turn over your hand a little bit. How many freaking jelly beans do you have left <laughs> in your hands? <laughs> I don't got no jelly beans in this one. 
Don't eat that one. So he does have him sail next to the Scylla, and it grabs six of his men and kills him. I'm sure he feels bad about it, being that he's led every other ship and man into death by horrible, horrible means. Well, he had to have had that ship stacked, right? That one last one? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there were survivors after the cannibal attack. Well, and then you have the I'm cannibal certain, attack, then you have the pigs that got brought back, but that was only a party of like 12. Yeah, but at the same time, like how many of them wolves and lions aren't eating those pigs? Yeah, oh, that's right. The castle was surrounded by wolves and And the simple fact is, come on, man. These guys are, you know, life expectancy, especially when you're sailing around the freaking sea probably isn't great. You're losing guys left and right to stuff. It's a story. That's the thing is, that's what caught me too on this. Watching the History Channel, they get people, I think, and I think this is hilarious. I think we talked about this before. You get people that their topic is either so obscure or... It's nuanced or like people just don't have a huge, huge interest in it. Yeah. So you get professors that are subject matter on that and you get them into an interview and they're very like not polished and they're funny to watch. Yeah. They get like really animated, but you can tell that they have no skill whatsoever in like talking about something. So you'll get these people during this Odyssey documentary that are talking about it like it's real about everything. Just antisocial, don't know how to get the yeah. information across. And they think stuff is funny or interesting. <clears throat> we'll make little quips like, and then he had to choose between Scylla and Charybdis. <laughs> like that's supposed to mean something. Oh, and also the reason that he had to choose the whirlpool or the um, sea dragon with three heads, there was another way he could go, but it was this ocean of floating rocks. That would have, of course, <clears throat> you know, floating rocks and ships don't work, so it would have just pulverized his ship and sunk them. If they're floating, don't they move out of his way? No, no, no. They they would move. It's like the iceberg thing, so big okay. that it would just destroy the Got ship without even mentioning okay. it. Like mountains, not boulders. Yep. So Zeus, um, oh, hold on. So they his men are like, okay, we just got done having our buddy snatched by Sea Dragon. Can we take a break? We need to land somewhere. So he's like, yeah, cool. So, of course... Ooh, the autumn wind. Sorry. Gross. I forgot to mute my phone, my bad. Okay. Is that what losing sounds like? Do you really want to do this on here? <laughs> no, no, okay. I don't. Not, okay. not now. Adam's a Packers fan, just to provide context for that comment. Um, so, of course, they land on Helios's island. It's the first one they come to. The one rule that they had was don't eat the cows on this island. And it sounds like almost instantly the men kill several of these cows to eat them. So the only person to not eat any of the beef, of course, is Odysseus. So Zeus doesn't, like, take punishment on them right away. He waits till they get out to sea a little bit. Yeah, of course. Then destroys the ships and literally kills everybody except for Odysseus. And the ship? Oh, yeah, ship's toast. So he ends up washing up. Odysseus probably clings to some, you know, driftwood. He ends up washing up on yet the island of another sex god. So this is... You're going to land on an island. So this is... Yes, so this is Calypso's island. So she is, and this ties back into what I was telling you earlier, she is a, what they consider a nymph. So the way they describe nymphs, 
again, these professors are describing it. So they're probably just doing it very academically. But the next they've seen is two boobs in their life. Yes, but the way they're describing it is it makes it sound like the nymph has like the looks of like a young girl. I don't think like they're talking like preteen. But I think they're like right there on the cusp of like, because think of like how girls and ages were viewed back in Greek culture. Yeah. Like 16 and 15, when you had your period, you were like, oh, time to marry you off and have kids. You're a woman now. Yeah, exactly. So I'm guessing they probably meant maybe like 16, 17, 18. So yeah, so it was, she was a nymph. So she was addicted to sex. And, you know, Odysseus, being the man that he is, stays there for seven years. Man. Man of honor. <laughs> Seven years. Where else is he going to go? I guess he's got to go home still, but it's yes. not like anybody's waiting for him back on the ship. No, but still, like, he's trying to... This whole thing has been about him getting home. If the whole thing was about him getting home, it would have stayed he was, Do you think he was like, okay, and when he got to the Nymph's Island, Calypso's Island, do you think he was like, okay, I've been punished pretty hard, and I only had sex with that... Uh, other chick for, for Cersei for a year. He's like, they washed me up on another sex god's island. Do you think I should have sex? I need to have sex with this one for longer, but how long? I've been through eight years of tragedy, and I only got one year of pleasure. I'm going to need to even that a little bit. It's probably what it was. It probably got to year seven. He's like, I feel confident. I got a 50-50 of this being long enough <laughs> that I can probably sail home at this point. So, you know what? After seven years, he does the... He does the gentlemanly thing, and he says, listen, I got to get home. So he builds himself a raft. Yes, he could have built himself a raft at any point, and they made sure to you know, let you know that this wasn't just any common raft. No, this was he was a carpenter as well. So this was a raft with you know a keel and like a rudder and like a mast and everything. All the bells and whistles. Yes, of course. And he just sails that bitch right home. That's it? Well, no. So he sails it home. He, but he was that close? No, no. Like, the, I'm not even kidding you. He was back by, like, in between the Wind God's Island and, like, the Cyclops Island. He was back that far. He just somehow, at this point, like, the rest of the gods were like, oh, you know, maybe he's had enough. Or I, they let him go. I got an alternate theory for you here. Okay. That, that the story is horseshit? Well, that, but I think the blame was placed on Odysseus a tad early. Because from what I've heard, every time he had men with him, they either got drunk on the beach and stayed there, or maybe they ran into the Cyclops' tomb and were eating all of his food, or maybe he knew that they were going to be dumb enough to fall for the sirens. I mean, they did open up the bag of wind after he fell asleep, he was being held down by all these other stupid guys. I, under- I understand that, but what are you leaving the bag of wind accessible for? Well, he fell asleep. He was up for eight days. What? Nine days. Why are you not sleeping for one of the first, like, after four days, and you've been on course for four days and nothing's going wrong? Take a nap. Because he didn't trust those idiots. Then he should have stayed awake the last mile. I don't know what to tell you. I feel like he was Champions wasn't, adjust. He wasn't the... <laughs> He wasn't the dumb one. It was everybody else because when everybody else was gone, he made it home with no problems, right? Well, he did end up getting home, but at the point when he gets home, again, he's been gone for like 20 years at this point. Seven of the last 20 have been spent just plowing into some some Greek mythological character. Okay. So he gets home. Um, he's he, not blameless. 
No. So he ends up um, getting back to Ithaca, and he kind of, like, disguises himself. Because he wants to find out if uh, Penelope is still loyal to him. So he's got to test her in this scenario to make sure. Well, he wants to make sure she's faithful for all those years. Mm -hmm. So what he actually does is, um, like at Athena's prompting, Penelope gets the suitor. She's like, I'm finally ready to make a decision. She's like, how we're going to decide this is going to be an archery competition using my dead husband's bow and arrow. And so I guess this thing was like set up in a way that only Odysseus, despite them always describing him as not being like the strongest, he's like the only one that could string the bow and shoot it. Well, it was his bow. He knew how to work it. Yeah. And they were supposed to shoot it through a dozen axe heads. So I'm guessing an axe head had like a space in it. Like, have you seen um, like when you see medieval axes, sometimes they'll have like the middle portion of the axe like cut out. Bearded axe. Is that what it's called? Okay, so, yeah, you'd have to shoot it through, like, a dozen of those. And he ends up being one of the suitors. He does it, and then she's like, oh, my God, he's back. And then he actually uses, like, the bone arrow to kill another one of the suitors. And then he literally, I think along with his son, maybe, they just slaughter, like, a hundred (laughs) dudes. Well, I think I read part of it, like, the son was very angry that the suitors were still there trying to replace his dad. Yeah. He had hard feelings towards him. Y- well, you think? Yeah. No, I get that. I understand that. But that's where like, his... All these dudes are here to plow my mom. And now... <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're all now literally here back. with the, in the sole goal of just plowing my mom. They probably didn't have a great relationship. Like I, just, like, I just lost my dad and now you're trying to lay this shit on me. So Penelope doesn't even know as this is going on. Odysseus's son knows that it's him because I think they met up beforehand. When he got back, he was able to talk to his son. Oh. Um, but he finally like throws off his robe and he's like, ha ha, it's me. And she's kind of hesitant, but then recognizes him. And then he mentions that he made their um, bed from like an olive tree, something that only he would know. And she's like, oh my God, you're back. She's like, why do you smell like, Strange. Yeah, like strange nymph pussy. (laughs) And he's like, I'm back. Isn't that all that's important? He's like, you'll never believe what happened. My men were getting turned into rabbits and uh, on this island. And I had to say, where are your men at? They didn't make it. You know what I think? Okay, even if you... Let's imagine that the Odyssey for a second is real. What I think happened is... Odysseus just like whored his way back home and got into a whole bunch of crazy shit and lost all of his men and money and ships. And then when he showed up at home, they're like, what happened? He's like, think, think. And he just went into this story. (laughs) This is going to sound crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stay with me on it. Start making up names that people probably had never heard before. No, no, no. Trust me. I lived this. You, you didn't. He's like, seven. She kept me prisoner for seven years. How tough that was on me. I still have, I still have PTSD. I, this was 24 bucks. Yeah, they, they're long. And obviously not being the 
the best reader out there. I do. I am a little bit bummed that we had all these other books that he had done or poetic manuscripts that he had that we didn't get everything out of. Because arguably, the Iliad and the Odyssey were both two pretty great stories. Looking at them from the time when, like, can you imagine being like a, just like a, a common person during this time, never, you know, seeing the world was not an option for 99% of people no. in this scenario, unless you were a slave or royalty or something or rich. So imagine being someone that, you know, you can read, which in itself is a rare. skill that not yeah. a lot of people yeah. have. It's not a, it's not a necessary skill for survival. That's so weird to think about. Farming is a necessary skill, like yep. that kind of stuff, survival, but not reading, which is strange. Um, but you, like, imagine you can read, or you have someone that is able to read to you, and they're reading you this book, and it just opens up, like, this whole world about, you know, heroes and monsters and gods and everything, and all you know is you've never heard anything like this before, so how can it not be true? Well, not even just reading it for the people that couldn't read, seeing something like this in a play yeah, and seeing it play out in front of you and scene sets and different things mm-hmm. and learning about all these different things like sirens that you kind of knew existed because you'd heard about it before, mm-hmm. but to actually like see a representation or to see it being read to you or yeah. reading it, that would have to make you believe like, oh, these things are real. This is one of an underrated movie that, I think you and I have talked about a lot before, but this feels like a lot of the time of like the invention of lying. Yeah. Like these guys, I I don't know if you would say that Homer would be nude Amazonian princess and the space King married and all were happy. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Obviously in the Odyssey, Odysseus is, um, uh, dude from the office. Steve Carell. Oh, uh, yeah, Steve Carell. The British office. Oh, uh, the one that's Ricky in the Gervais. Eventual, yeah, Gervais. Yeah, yeah. It's in the Adventure Lying. It's in the Odyssey. It's obviously Ricky Gervais being like, "Yeah, no, I did this," and everybody's like, "Oh, okay, we believe that." It but, sounds like someone he was telling the story, and someone just kept asking. He would name something, and they're like. Well, what is that? He's yep. like, and then he had to make up what it was like. And then there was a cyclops, and they're like, "What's a cyclops?" He's like, "I don't know." It. It has one eye, a big giant eye, right? And they're like, oh my God, that's horrible. He's like, yeah, it is, isn't it? He almost ate us. Yeah. He ate six of my guys. Mm -hmm. The other thing that's cool about this too is like, this is so old. Yet somehow like this was selected. And I'm not saying that it, you know, it gets selected for all schools and everything. But people are still, this is still relevant. Like it's still there. There's a lot of dead texts that we see now and a lot of books that kind of fall into the ether where their their value to society, people feel like, really isn't something that is necessary anymore. But the Iliad and the Odyssey back in their time were things that people would point to as far as like moral conundrums and different things where you can point to it almost like scripture and say, this is what... Um, Achilles did in this situation. Mm -hmm. This is what Hector would do. This is the humility that they showed. And I'm sure the, the bravery of the Odyssey and different things that they would point to, to like make salient arguments. The other thing too, is it's very like, I'm sure so many like 
texts and books and documents and just everything. It's like, you know, we always talk about, you know, uh, history is written by the victors. Mm -hmm. So you lose all of this, like, knowledge and all of this, you know, these books and stories. This one itself is low stakes because it is so fictional. It might not have seemed fictional back then, but, you know, as things were able to disprove all of this stuff had happened... It, there was never anything in this book, aside from, you know, the Greek gods, there was nothing, anything controversial in here because no. it was so fictional. If someone was going to come out and be like, I have a problem with your um, portrayal of Cyclops, I'm with the Cyclops Alliance, and we do not act like that. Like, this is never going to happen. Like, this in the Iliad, it's, yeah, it's it's low stakes literature. And I think that's also why it survived. Because anytime this, you know, Someone had books on the chopping block or stories on the chopping block and the Odyssey came up. They're like, what's that about again? Like, you know, it's the guy that like is trying to get back home and he runs into all the monsters and they're like, oh, yeah, just keep that shit. Yeah, it it provides more of an entertainment thing. People don't Mm -hmm. look to this. You can still pick it apart. Literacists and people that are really into books, I'm sure, can go through and pick apart like different feelings that happened during it and all that kind of thing. That's what threw me. That's what was like so maddening to me about watching this documentary, though, is like... You know what, maybe, maybe mad, maybe misunderstanding is the right terminology for it, but you would get these people talking about the Odyssey like it actually happened. Like they were trying to provide you, talking to you in a way that it's like, this really happened. This these, went through Odysseus's head. Exactly. This was his frame of and thought. And there's so much like, I understand like, tw- this is 24 books, so there's a lot of information about Odysseus. But there are people whose main study is Odysseus, a fictional character, not the historical. Their job is to go in and study the Odyssey and tell you what Odysseus, the character. That's like if somebody, I'm trying to think of something that has a lot of like backstory to it. Let's just say it's like somebody telling you the story of like Luke Skywalker and being like, and then Luke Skywalker felt this way. And Luke Skywalker was sad. But Luke Skywalker knew that he had to persevere and get to the Death Star or something like that. Like a fictional historian. Yeah. I wonder if that's what their title would be. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing to draw from. There's no other experiences. When you see this outside of the Homeric works and outside of some of the other um, Greek authors that wrote about some of the people that we've talked about, it's all just based on the character's values that the writer assessed to them. There's Mm -hmm. nothing, there's no individuality to it. Like there's no, what's the word I'm looking for? Like agency. Yeah. These people didn't have agency. They were only given like what choices were made by the author. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. How many, how many of these people that are in this even knew that they were being, they they didn't know they were being written about because it was written so far after. Yeah. He's just, he's just picking and choosing. Like he could add a list of names and been like, Hmm. Odysseus sounds good. The the Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Maybe, you know, Achilles was dead in the last book, so he couldn't follow Achilles. You know, Odysseus. I don't know if Ajax was still alive, but... He was. The Ajaxius doesn't sound... Actually, that does sound... Doesn't sound bad, but... Yeah, maybe he just picked the character and was like, I'll just go with this. You just brought up Odysseus and Odyssey, and I just made the connection. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, that took a while. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I would like to end on that. Yeah, it's good as place as any to end. 
All right, guys, uh, hopefully you uh, stuck <laughs> stuck with us. I know this was a little bit longer one, but there was a lot to cover with Homer and his uh, two well-known works. But thanks for sticking it out, and uh, join us next time. Peace. guys hey thank you so much for making it through another episode and uh sticking with us if uh you want to kind of follow up on the next upcoming episodes get some teasers uh adam can they get us on the twitter they can get us on the twitter our twitter handle is historically high that's historically hi nice and uh on the instagram our instagram is historically high pod that's historically high pod and what happens if your social media inept if you have any issues where you can't figure out social media our email is historically high podcast at gmail.com we set up a landline <laughs> just in case uh, you guys can go ahead and shoot us any question comments or even maybe suggestions for future episodes something you guys want to hear yeah high thoughts questions anything like that we're always open we'll always get back to you hell yeah guys see you on the next episode peace